Radio. I am the internet icon, the pride of the pilgrims, handsome Jackie Jones, along with my right hand man, my audio soulmate, and the enforcer of the Headyverse. One inch biceps, the power goop. Ah, How about that, Jack? Very powerful. Very impressed. Yes. And joining us, he might be wondering right now why he's joining us after that intro, but. We're joined by Sunny Beach, and it's very cool to have you here. Thank you, Jack, and One Inch Bicep. Uh, nice to be here. Excellent, excellent. So we got to see you recently on um, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, that was uh, yep. you know the Herb Abram show. It was uh, you know nicely put together. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember. I mean, I grew up watching every wrestling I could find. So I remember you from global and, and UWF and WWF and everywhere. So, uh, like when did you decide you wanted to be a wrestler? Did you grow up as a wrestling fan? You know, I did. I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, as a kid, I moved from Chicago when I was eight years old to Jacksonville, Florida. So I didn't really watch too much wrestling. You know, once in a while I'd see it, you know, like some AWA and stuff out of Chicago and, once in a while, we get like uh, Vince or IWA, you know, um, years and years ago. And they had like roller derby and stuff on, you know, in Chicago. This was, you know, back in the late 60s, early 70s. So when I moved to Florida in 1972, um, you know, championship wrestling from Florida, Gordon Soley, um, Buddy Rogers, Buddy Colt, um, Bobby Shane, um, you know, Dusty was just coming in Murdoch. I mean, it was just a hotbed Florida wrestling. The Jack and Jerry Briscoe, the Funks were down there. Um, the Assassin. So it was like I, I got mesmerized by it, and I grew out of cartoons and right into wrestling. It was like uh, really cool stuff, you know, for a little you know nine ten year old boy from uh, you know, Chicago. 
was an eye-opening uh, awakening to me, I guess. I got the wrestling bug. Yeah. When did you know, like, this is something you wanted to do, to pursue it? Right away. It was yeah. like, uh, you know, I, I was hit by lightning, you know. Like, when I saw Dusty Rhodes out there strutting and strolling and, you know, and talking all that jive and, you know, throwing the elbow down and every week, you know. It was like, uh, you know, I couldn't wait for Saturday morning to get here to watch wrestling. So I knew at a young age, probably there. sixth grade, I think I knew. And, uh, probably sixth grade, I, I got sent home for jumping off of a desk and giving a bionic elbow to another <laughs> student. Uh-huh. I was wearing... I can understand, but I, I would be the same way. I was wearing my bionic elbow shirt the other day, actually. Uh, Dusty Rhodes shirt. Awesome. Huge <laughs> Dusty Rhodes fan. I mean, I think he influenced me more to get into the business than anybody. And mm-hmm. Don Curtis, uh, I went to school with Don Curtis's daughter, Lisa Curtis, in Jacksonville. We went to high school together, and uh, I was always picking his brain and, and, you know, telling him I wanted to wrestle and all that. And he was always telling me, get an education, go go, go to college, play football, do what you got to do, and, you know, and then wrestle and always be there for you if you want to do it. So, Did you take that advice? It's pretty cool, man. I did take that advice. I uh, I was going to go to college, but then I, I, just the wrestling, it just, you know, I got an offer I couldn't refuse. I got trained by a couple of outlaw guys. It's got Mike Prather and uh, uh, these guys called the Smurfs down in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Rick Knopf was down there. Um, there's a, a guy by the name of uh, Larry Hamilton. Uh, he was big in the Georgia, uh, Florida, Alabama circuit. Uh, Thunderbolt, Perry Hamilton. Um, all these guys took an interest in me and started training with me. And I started learning down there in Jacksonville. And then I started going and doing TV for Championship Wrestling from Florida. You know, I was enhancing talent, just uh, helping set up the rings and doing all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, whenever I could, you know, when I'd work some independent shows down there. Back then, they called them outlaw shows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back in the, you know, 84, 85, you know, I was working outlaw shows. And then I would, go to TVs on Tuesday morning at the Sportatorium and uh, put everybody over <laughs> and then uh, drive back to Jacksonville. What was, was the a, atmosphere? A the, yeah, what was the atmosphere like at the Sportatorium? It was great. I mean, you know, people like Blackjack Mulligan, Barry Windham, uh, the Briscoes were, were down there. Um, Mike Graham, Steve Kern were, were there a lot when I was wrestling. Uh, Kevin Sullivan, Walker McDaniel, Bob Roop. Uh, just to name a few of the superstars down there, Barry Horowitz, back when he was known as Jack Hart, mm-hmm. uh, Oliver Humperdinck was managing a lot of guys down there. Um, so it was a, a hotbed for, for professional wrestling down there. Rick Oliver, Rip Oliver, he just passed away a few months ago. He was in and out of there going back and forth from Portland to, to Tampa. Um, so these guys, you know, it was like great to, to watch and, and, and learn and, and get to, meet your childhood idols, you know, so to speak. Yeah. How did they treat you? Did they, uh, did anyone like try to take advantage of you or like, uh, were, were you accepted? Uh, a little bit, uh, Ray candy kind of took advantage of me a little bit one day in the ring. Um, you know, I was a green guy, you know, just starting out in the business and they throw me in there. Like I was a fresh piece of meat and here's Ray candy, you know, 380, 400 pounds, you know, back when they were doing the shock troops with him and Ed, the bull Gantner and, um, you know, they threw me in there and ate me up a couple of times. They didn't give me anything in the ring. And I was like, wow, you know, and, you know, I guess they were trying to get him over and stuff, but, you know, and then he, he's probably one of the only guys that really ate me up. Uh, 
you know, um, when I was young and green, Kevin Sullivan, he let me work a little bit, you know, in the ring with him. But, you know, my job down there was to put guys over and make them look good. You know, back then they were doing that, starting to do that, uh, muck and sing, uh, with Bob Rupert, he shaved half his head off and oh, yeah. Kevin, you know, he's got to do that occult stuff. And then they brought in the lock and, you know, when I own a little heart, she just passed away a couple of days ago. Uh, she was a great worker in the business. Had been around a long time. She was one of Moolah's girls, so I got to work with her, you know, in Florida and Georgia a little bit. So I got to know her and her sister Peggy Lee Leather uh, with Bambi and all that when I was wrestling Peach Day wrestling and uh, Southern Championship wrestling. But um, Florida Championship wrestling, it was like that's where I wanted to be. That's where I wanted to start out. I had, you know, visions of becoming like a, the next Dusty Rhodes or, you know, a Barry Windham or something like that. You know, all these guys that I grew up watching and uh, idolized. Mm-hmm. Now, like um, you said, you know, you're trained by the outlaw guys and they like took a liking to you. Like how, how did they, how did you get in touch with them? Did you seek them out or like, did they see you at a show or something? Well, you know, what was so funny is, you know, like everybody knows everybody like in Jacksonville, it's a, it's a close, it's a huge, you know, it's the biggest County in the United States, Duval County, but you know, they had like, you know, little outlaw shows at a little shopping center. Like they had this old A&P shopping center that got shut down. So they would, you know, fire it up and poster it up. And then you would see like flyers or posters around like the neighborhood or out in the street. Sometimes if it was a decent outlaw show, they would get some radio spots in a country station or, uh, sometimes on a TV station, you'd see something sometimes at the Jacksonville fair, uh, they would, you know, post, you know, put flyers on all the car windshields or a lot of times they would do it after the, the NWA shows down there, championship wrestling of Florida shows every Thursday night or every other Thursday, every other week they were at the Jacksonville Coliseum. So they would go out there and with all the wrestling fans being there and they would, you know, put out flyers on their cars and stuff. That's the way they used to promote in the old days, you know, do all kinds of stuff like carnival, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you see a flyer on somebody's car when you're leaving from the Coliseum and, uh, you know, they say, Hey, next week or the weekend, you know, in Jacksonville, they're running on Thursday night at the Coliseum, these outlaw guys, you know, super destroyer and Jimmy Backlund or this guy or that guy, you know, these guys were all starting out down in Jacksonville and Jimmy Del Rey, he became in the WWF and oh, yeah, one, you know, Cornets guys. So. You know, he started out down. I actually had my first match with him. Oh, really? Jimmy Del Rey, yeah. Yeah, the gigolo from the um, the Heavenly Bodies. Exactly. So I had my first match with him, and um, we, you know, he took a liking to me. I learned a lot. We were all working out in the same gym afterwards. There was a place in Jacksonville on the north side where we set up. Not too far where Leonard Skinner, the the band. started out down there and I started out my wrestling career, you know, wanting to, you know, be a wrestling superstar, so to speak. So it's all, you know, it all went full circles, you know, from starting out in a, a little ring and uh, set up in a grocery store to, um, you know, working at Madison Square Garden or, uh, you know, any of these big venues, Rosemont Horizon in Chicago or the Tokyo Dome or Budokan Hall or, you know, Corican Hall in, in Japan, you know, with uh, Stan Hansen and all these guys are working up in Peach Day Wrestling with Bruiser Brody and Abdul the Butcher. I mean, I got to, to work with amazing. some of the best and biggest in the business, Andre the Giant, WWF and in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I got, you know, to, to live out my boyhood dream, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, did you 
did you know what wrestling was when you got into it, or did you did they have to like smarten you up to what? Uh, did you think it was like a shoot? Well, they had or? to smarten me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they smartened me up pretty quick, actually. Uh, and I had a I had a good amateur background from high school. I was all city and all state in high school wrestling in Florida. So, um, I, you know, I, I was a, a shooter, so to speak. I could, you know, hold my own in the ring. That's about me and Dr. Death, Steve Williams got along so good because we would, you know, go in there and mess around, you know, with old UWS stuff and, you know, do some amateur stuff and, um, you know, sit out, find the carries, you know, just stuff that you, you used to see like with the Briscoe brothers and Brian Blair, he was a, you know, a, a shooter. <laughs> so, you know, there was a lot of guys, the Steiner brothers, um, you know, it's a lost art, so to speak. Nobody really does too many, you know, amateur moves anymore. Kurt Angle, you know, but yeah, but he's pretty much retired now. Yeah. It was so, Dr. Death. Uh, one of the, was it your friendship with Dr. Death that led you to, uh, get to Japan? Uh, believe it or not, no, Stan Hansen brought me over to Japan. Oh, nice. Um, I was in the movie, no holds barred with Stan. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, we had a, you know, I've been friends with him since 1988 and, uh, we're still friends today. I actually spoke to him earlier this afternoon to see how he was doing. So oh, nice. I keep in contact with him a lot. Barry Horowitz, um, the Carquisadors, Jose Luis Rivera, Jose Estrada, uh, Del Wilkes, um, some guys out here in Long Island, Power Twins, and a um, couple guys in Jersey. So I, I keep in touch with a lot of guys. Mick Foley, when he's around, uh, he lives in a couple towns over from me in Long Island. So we see each other once in a while at the supermarket or uh, you know some little charity events out here in Long Island. Mm-hmm. Stan Hansen, a former guest here on the show, one of my favorites uh, of all time. So, uh, how did that uh, come about? You uh, getting the uh, in No Holds Barred? Uh, I was wrestling for Peach State Wrestling and uh, Georgia Champ, well, not Georgia Championship, Southern Championship Wrestling with Jerry Blackwell at the time. I was wrestling like Bruiser Brody, Tommy Rich, um, you know, whoever they put me in with. Um, me and Doug Summers were tagging a little bit out there. We wrestled Brody and Tommy Rich. And then Mr. Wrestle number two, Tony Atlas was in and out. Um, Ted and Jerry Oates, uh, the Armstrongs were up there. So we had a great group of guys up at Southern Championship. And they were giving me a little push. And, you know, I was like in a mid-card, uh, you know. But I was, you know, working against some of these, you know, huge names in the business. Look at Blackwell or, you know, whoever it was. And I guess... Uh, Joe Pedestino put a good word in for me when he was doing the commentating at Rhubarb Jones to, to Vince and, you know, all those guys. And they called me up and they said, we'd like you to be in the movie, have a part in the movie because they wanted some new up and coming talent that nobody saw. So I, I guess I had the look they were looking for. And they put me with Joe the Duke, uh, old Canadian lumberjack, Joe the yeah. Duke. And we were in the no count bar. So we were the first fight in the octagon ring, the no count bar. We were headbangers and, uh, he had a good, good little fight there, and you know it was like one of the plot points in the movie, a no count bar. And then Stan the, Hansen came in right after and beat up Joe the Duke, and then Joe <laughs> got, I guess uh, Stan got beat by Zeus. So, you know that it, it told a little story about the you know plot point in the movie. But mm-hmm. right after that, I started full time with WWF as soon as I finished filming. So it was a, a really it was a blessing for me to to do the movie and to be recognized and then go go out on the road with vince and uh, wwf yeah so did you talk with vince at the time when you were doing the, whole he was on the movie set a few times and you know he, 
you know, everybody's in all events, you know, because everybody knows, you know, what type of businessman he is. Yeah. I've never seen somebody with such work ethic in my life. I don't know if this man sleeps. I mean, this guy's <laughs> always thinking, always uh, doing stuff. And, you know, people always talk bad about Vince and all that stuff, but he's the one that really made this business where it is today, like it or not. I mean, he took guys from different territories, all the top guys. He made his territory. He monopolized the industry. And, you know, he made all the money. He took all the risk. He took all the chances. And, uh, you know, he, he had a lot of the ideas. Most of these ideas that you see on TV were his, or he's got to give the blessing on them. So um, he surrounded himself with some really good, talented people, and he's reaping the rewards. Mm-hmm. Not in our economy what? now what, with the coronavirus, but, yeah. you know, the last, you know, 30 years, you know, Vince has been on top. Mm-hmm. Now, did they promise you anything or like, say like, you know, if you do well, you move up the card or anything like what, what kind of things did they tell you when you were coming in? No, they really didn't promise me anything. He just said, you know, I'd like you to come to work for my company. You know, I want to put you on full time with us, give you a book and sheet and, you know, put you on the road and see how you do. Um, you know, I know you're, you know, just starting out in the business. And I was still young in the business, you know, two, yeah. three years in the business when I started with Vince. Um, and, you know, I didn't have the, the real formal formal training like, you know, a hero Matsuda or, you know, like one of the journeymen guys, you know, would, would take you in there and just, you know, make every day, you know, just drill you, you know, holds, the running the ropes, the learning how to fall, you know, the, the bumping and all that stuff, the psychology, the, the promos and interviews. You know, I, I had to learn most of that by myself, you know, and whoever was around at the time I would work out with, so... I didn't really have, like, you know, they had the performance center and all that now, and they have places like the AEW up in Atlanta where they're Ray Lloyd and a bunch of guys are training guys up there, DDP and a bunch of guys. So, you know, back then we really didn't have that stuff. And it was like an honor if some of the older timers would let you in the business, you know, because mm-hmm. back then it was still kayfabe and everything. Yeah. Uh, who are some of the guys, like, you traveled with when you were in WWF? Oh, wow. I had some great, great travel buddies. Uh, Barry Horowitz was probably the first guy that I, I traveled with because, you know, we knew each other from Florida. And um, uh, he's just a good guy. And he took me in. My first WWF show was at Perth Amboy, New Jersey at the high school. So I flew in from Jacksonville, Florida up to Newark, New Jersey, took a taxi over to the high school. And I was there like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, when the show starts, you know, 7 or 8 o'clock. And, um, I was there, the first one to walk in, Tony Gurria, and then uh, Arnold Skolin. They were the road agents. Introduced themselves, told me what match I am, you know. And I think I wrestled Lanny Poffo that night, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, nice. So I rode with Barry Hall, which we did like an 11-day run. We, back then, they would go like 11 days on, two days off, uh, 14 days on, three days off, you know. And you only had enough time to really go home, pay your bills, do your laundry, and uh, get get ready to go back on the road, you know. So it was non-stop when I was with Vince uh, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. But I've traveled a lot with Barry Horowitz, Hercules Hernandez, uh, Haku, um, Greg Valentine, uh, the Conquistadors, Jose Luis Rivera, and uh, Jose Estrada, I rode with them a lot. Traveled with Manny Poffo a few times, um, uh, Boris and Nikolai, they were the Bolsheviks, I rode with them a lot. So, you know, it depended on, you know, I traveled with Marty and uh, Shawn Michaels a few times. So it depended on, you know, who was on the card and, and where, what territory you're at. Because back then, 
the late 80s, we were doing two, three shows a night in different towns. You know, we had a big roster back then. You know, Hogan would be on top, or Macho would be on top somewhere, and then Warrior would be on top somewhere, or Andre. So, you know, and then you had like the milk run where we do all the small towns, high schools, National Guard armories, small colleges, venues. So, you know, it, it depended. Like when I first came in, you know, I was on the cars like with Hercules had a program with Ultimate Warrior. And, and Greg Valentine, uh, I think he was wrestling. Uh, I'm trying to think who he was doing a program with. Maybe Junkyard Dog or or, uh, or Jake the Snake, somebody. I mean, it was... You know, I had we had a couple, you know, really big names on the card at the time, Tito Santana or somebody. So um, it was, you know, then you have like a tag match like the Rockers and Conquistadors or the Young Stallions against somebody. And then when Demolition came in, you know, they, they'd be on top somewhere when they were tag champions. So it was, uh, you know, constantly traveling, you know, and only having a few days off a month. One day we went like 30 days at a time. But what was that schedule like for you? I know you're, you were a young guy at the time, so you know, was it hard for you to, to be on the road 30 days? I'm going to interview. I'll be there in a minute. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. Um, it, it was hard. Uh, it was pretty easy because, uh, you know, getting to travel with everybody and, and, you know, and you can become one family out on the road, you know, a lot of guys, you know. This is your wrestling family. You see your wrestling guys more than you see your own family most of the time when you're constantly on the road working, you know, full time with like a territory with Vince or with WCW at the time. They were doing a lot of shows too. And, um, you know, it was like running ragged, you know, going cross country. Uh, we were flying in, say we had a match at Madison Square Garden one night. The next night we might be at the Houston Summit. The next night we might be at the Chicago at the Rosemont Horizon. Next night, we might not be in uh, San Francisco at the Kyle Palace or the L.A. Forum or the Boston Garden. So we were just going constantly, you know, all over the place, flying, flying, flying. You'd have to get up 5 o'clock in the morning, go to the airport, get your flight, fly wherever you're going, two, three hours, and wherever it was. Then you'd check into your hotel. Uh, then you would uh, go to find a gym somewhere, get something to eat, go to the building, wrestle, uh, go back to your hotel. Some guys would go to the bars and hang out. Some guys would go back to the hotel and get to get some sleep. I was one of those guys. I wasn't really a big partier. You know, I knew this was a job and I never really knew how long I was going to go, you know, cause I never really did have a contract. Mm-hmm. You know, as but long as you... the booking sheets there, yeah. it's good. You know, as long as you were doing good, they liked you. You always had work and I always made myself important. I always made myself try to make other my opponents look good and you know and I, i'm not you know i don't care if they call me in uh, what's it called uh enhancement talent mm-hmm. or a jobber or, or somebody to get guys over i was always working i was always making money the name of the game in any business is to make money and that's what i tried to do for my family yeah but that's i mean what I the, the, try to do. yeah the enhancement talent of that time though were still like stars people like you know uh, like said lady poffo iron mike sharp uh, Paul Roma, I mean, oh, Paul Roma, you know, kind of a little bit yeah, about like, that, but you know, everybody says Jose Teresa Vera, Johnny Rods, Jose Estrada. Oh yeah. Some of the best workers in the business. I mean, Johnny Rods will, will shoot you. I mean, he's one of the, the toughest guys out there, believe it or not. Same mm-hmm. with Jose Estrada. These are journeyman wrestlers at any given time. They would have twisted some of these top guys in the pretzels. 
And I've seen it happen in the locker rooms or, or even in the matches. A guy get cute with somebody and the guy will grab him in a hold and take him right down and hold him there and say, are you going to work or are you going to you know, play? Mm-hmm. Let me know what you want to do. So, and, and I've done it myself to a few guys. <laughs> Anybody in particular? I really don't want to say any names. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, I got you. Protect the innocent, but... <laughs> There's been a few guys, you know, there's somebody a potato and you give them one back and then they come back uh-huh. in the dressing room. So hey, what was that about? You know, and they said, well, you messed up on this or you hit me too hard on that. Or, you know, you're supposed to take care of each other. Uh-huh. You know, that's what we do in our business. We take care of each other. I'm giving you my body and, I'll, I'll, you know, you're giving me your body and you're supposed to take care of each other in the ring. It's like a dance. Mm-hmm. So, now, I don't know if you, you know, were you, were you were you around Duke, uh, the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty at all? Because that's like one of my favorite uh, enhancement guys of that era. Of that I era. He might have been a little bit before uh, you. I, I met Pete when I was doing the movie No Holes Bar. Pete was in the Oh, movie. that's right. He's in there. Yeah. Pete down there. Uh, Pete was there. And uh, we just had a great time down there in Atlanta shooting the No Holds Bar movie. Stan Hansen took me to my first sushi restaurant down in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, nice. Uh, bought me dinner, even. So I was like, <laughs> wow you know this guy he's looking out for me you know and a, a veteran you know taking yeah. a young green guy out for dinner and having sushi that's awesome so yeah. we got, we became friends he got me booked into japan um we, we've been friends ever since the movie and um i've had great matches with stan in japan i mean he would let me work i mean here he is the number one american wrestling star in japan and he's taking body slams from me. I'm suplexing him. I'm coming off the top rope. I'm drop kicking him. And he's selling it like there's no tomorrow. He got me over in Japan. And in Japan, uh, they put me over more than they did in the States, believe it or not. I won more matches in Japan probably than I did over here. Yeah. I had great partners. I had Johnny Ace was my partner in Japan. The first run I went over there. Del Wilkes, the Patriot, was my partner the second time I was there. So, I mean, I had, uh, you know, some really good people to work with. And the first time I was in Japan, I was over there for the 91 was the world tag league tournament and, uh, giant Baba, Andre, the giant were a tag team, Steve Williams and, and Terry Gordy were a tag team. Abdul, the butcher and Kamala Dory Funk jr. Was there with Al Perez. Um, the destroyer was still wrestling. Um, you know, giant Baba, Jumbo Saruta, Masawa, Kawada, Kabashi, Kakuchi. Um, it was just, uh, who's who were wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, the Doug Furness, the British Bulldogs. I mean, it was some of the best talent in the world. Danny Spivey. Um, uh, it was an honor for me to go over to Japan and work for all Japan pro wrestling. That was one of my, I think one of my greatest accomplishments going and working in Madison square garden was one and working in Japan with, um, you know, giant Baba and Stan Hansen was another one. Yeah. Well, how different was it to wrestle in front of the Japanese crowd? At first, you know, it was like, wow. The first night I was there, we were at Cork and Hall, and uh, they put me and Ace over. I forgot who we worked with, but, um, you know, going over there, never been to Japan before, never been over to Asia. And they just respect the American wrestlers so much. And, you know, you're like a god over there. You're like a rock star. I mean, it was like culture shock. When I went there, they go, look, they're going to follow you around. They're going to want you to sign stuff. They're going to want you, you know, just be nice and, you know, be friendly, be cordial and hospitality. You know, they're very uh, honorable people here. You know, when they bow to you, bow back, look them in the eye, and they show me how to bow and everything. And, you know, and then they have sponsors that would take you out for dinners and give you presents and stuff. Like, back then, the Walkman was first coming out, and the guy gave me a Walkman my first trip to Japan. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, it's just really cool. The people, they respect their wrestlers and they respect the, you know, sports entertainment over there a lot more than they did here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, how physical were the matches? It was a lot more physical too. I mean, I'd like to lay them in anyway. I always worked pretty stiff over, you know, and I would watch Stan and how they worked and stuff. And, you know, you would lay your punches and kicks in and, you know, and, you know, you were going a lot faster speed over there. And, uh, you know, you'd have a lot more false finishes in Japan than you would over here too. Now everybody's doing false finishes and it's all high spots <laughs> in the matches. I, yeah. I can barely look at the wrestling. You know, you have like 10 false finishes in every match now and it's, Nothing uh-huh. means anything now. Back when you used to give a power slam or a suplex off the top rope, that was a finishing move or a mm-hmm. figure four leg lock or a scorpion death lock or a submission hold. Now they're doing it five, ten times in every match from top yeah. to bottom matches. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of ridiculous watching it sometimes today. You know, some of the AEW matches, I see it a lot more of that. Cause, but they're younger guys and they're trying to get themselves sober. I see that. But yeah. uh, I guess creative control in the back should tighten them up and you know teach them a little bit better but i think they're doing a great job i mean uh starting out you know less than a year ago it might be a year now but i think they've come a long way and they have a national tv and everything and they're competing head up with vince and all these guys even vince are probably going to go to them or go back to japan but uh there's a lot of places i think you know if they had more territories and more purple guys could learn and work more than two nights a week or a couple times on tv a week I think uh, the business would be a lot better off. Yeah, actually, until now, when there can't be crowds, but the last couple of years, um, really last year, it's it's uh, been a lot more places for, for wrestlers to work. And uh, I'm a big fan of AEW. I get to go to a couple live shows in Chicago and one here in Boston. Right. And uh, the atmosphere is like, you know, the fans are so into all like, the characters and the matches. that It, it really is fun, it's fun to be at an AEW show. Well, I'm like watching them build their talent now, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with all the guys coming in and out of there, and and it's like some of the older guys that are behind the scenes, like Ray Lloyd Glacier's helping, you know, run some of their training down there in Atlanta. Um, Diamond Dallas Page is helping out. They brought Jake in. They brought Rock and Roll Express in. So they they got the young helping the old too, and you know, the, the older guys helping the younger boys, which is a good thing. Um, you know, Billy Gunn's down there. Um, so yeah. he's a producer with the show. So they're, 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 they're in the right direction. I mean, I don't know. It's not going to happen overnight, but, you know, they, they just, uh, even the, the women's divisions, you know, looking pretty good down there too. But, you know, mm-hmm. too many high spots and, and, and too many false finishes for, from, so I wasn't brought up like that, you know. Yeah. That's why well, I, 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 I agree. With, I agree with you that, on that too, because not the wrestling I grew up with either. <laughs> but uh, I think it, I've kind of come to the conclusion. I just have to accept it that that's part of wrestling now. But I agree with you. Like it's not really my well, kind of style. Of, I guess their learning process, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I guess if enough people, you know, say something about it, I'm sure they'll change their culture and everything. But. It's just, you know, the younger guys are just trying to get themselves over however they can out there. And I, I see that. And I don't really, you know, like it. But, you know, it's not for me to say. You know, it's for the fans to like. You yeah. know, I've already done my time. You know, and I'm not second-guessing anybody or anybody's promotion. It's not my money. It's not my my promotion. So uh, I was just a soldier. I did what they told me to do. And, you know, I was happy to be there. Yeah. Where did you get the uh, the Sandy Beach or, or Sunny Beach character? Where did you get, like, the surfer character? 
Well, I, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was always at the beach, and I was a lifeguard down there a little bit when I was in, out of high school and during high school. So I, uh, you know, there was a lot of community pools I would lifeguard at in the summer, and I'd cut lawns to make a living. You know, when you're 15, 16 years old, you know, you, you know, you're not a, a CEO, or you're not, you know, not too many jobs are banging at your door. You know, but right. especially when you only had the summers to work. You know, from uh, June, July, and August, and you had to be back in football or, you know, in high school. Uh, it started at the end of August. You had like two or three a days and then, you know, a couple of weeks before school started. And then, uh, you know, right away you're playing football and then football season would evolve into wrestling season and wrestling season after that would be track. I used to throw shot put discus and track. And, uh, you know, I was like a, a three-sport athlete when I was in high school. And then I, uh, it was the name Sandy beach came cause you know, I grew up in Jacksonville and the beaches and, uh, I just liked the name and, uh, there was a bouncer, believe it or not. He called himself Sandy beach. And I liked the name. I said, that would be a great wrestling name. <laughs> yeah. I was in bodybuilding and he was bouncing and he was all over the place. And, uh, he, I actually seen him in Tampa the last time I saw him. Um, he was working out at athletes fitness center down there at Rick Poston's gym. And that's where all the boys used to train down in, uh, Tampa when they were championship wrestling in Florida. He would let all the boys work out there and he'd give them t-shirts and tank tops to wear on TV. And, um, Kevin Sullivan used to work out in there a lot. I used to see him in there a lot at Rick Poston's gym, but that's where I got the name Sandy beach. You know, I just like a tribute to my, where I grew up at in Jacksonville, Florida. And then, oh, uh, nice. when I was with WWF, uh, a DJ down in Florida, at Sandy beach, he changed it and he had a name trademark. So then he said that I couldn't use the name anymore, which they sent a letter. I said, no problem. So I changed it to Sunny Beach. So right while I was with Vince, uh, you know, with my run, I, I had to change the name Sunny Beach. And, you know, that, that's when I went to Japan and went to uh, UWF. And that's when I started using Sunny Beach up here, up, up north. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of, you know, similar to uh, the guy you, you liked a lot, Dusty Rhodes. It's like the uh, it's like the beach version of Dusty Rhodes. You got Dusty Rhodes and then you have Sunny Beach. It's yeah, a similar name. I mean, it's similar. Dusty Road, Sunny Beach, or Sunny Beaches, whatever they call me. <laughs> um, uh-huh. You know, it, it was, you know, I, I, you know, I tried to come up with a given name. The first couple, like the first year I wrestled, I was just Rick Allen, you know, my real name. Uh-huh. Gordon Soley would call me Young Rick Allen. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I was like, okay, Young Rick Allen. So, but you know, the young part was cause I was green. So he was trying to cover me up a <laughs> right. little bit, but yeah. down in TV, like in Tampa, I used to wrestle, like they had the shock troops down there. Ed Bender, and, uh, this is when Lex Luger and Ron Simmons, and they were both starting down down there with, uh, hero Matsuda when I was, uh, you know, my first year in the business down there, they were just getting trained with Dewey Forte. Um, uh, they were down there. Kendall Wyndham came right after that. He was getting trained down there with Barry and his dad, and, uh, the guys so it was a good a good little group down there to learn with yeah so how, how did you end up in uh, the uwf uh believe it or not there's a lady she used to have a wrestling uh i guess it was a wrestling sheet up here called the chatterbox georgia metropolis and uh bruno and georgia told herb abrams because herb was starting out in california and they said hey there's a guy sunny beach here that's uh you know, good guy, and uh, you should use him if you're coming to New York. Uh, definitely give him a push. He'd definitely get over it. Bruno, uh, you know, gave a good word, uh, you know, from me when I was with Vince, and he knew me from there, and he knew me, 
You know, I wrestled a lot of independent shows around New York with his son, David San Martino. A guy by the name of Tommy D was doing shows out here, Universal Wrestling Superstars, UWS, and I wrestled for him a lot. I'd wrestle like Mick Foley a lot when Mick was first starting out up here. We'd have some good bloodbath matches, cage matches. Um, you know, anytime we were in the ring together, one of us was bleeding. It was crazy. But then, you know, it was like the hardcore stuff before it was hardcore, before ECW and all that. I was, you know, wrestling Mick up and down the East Coast, you know, garbage cans up and down uh, school bleachers or uh, in the concession stand or wherever we would end up, you know, at the parking lot. Mm-hmm. So, we, I was making a pretty good name for myself. Um, George Napolitano and Bill Apter with the wrestling magazines were always covering our matches and stuff. And then wrestled King Kong Bundy a couple of times up here for, um, for Tommy D. And uh, he put me over a couple of times, which is, you know, I really appreciated that to get my career up and going a little bit. And Herb saw some of those matches and uh, he liked what he saw and he brought me into the UWF. So. Uh, when he was at John and Rizzi's wrestling convention here in 1990, he uh, brought me on board with him and said, Sonny, my boy, I want to do big things with you. And I said, all right, Herb. And, you know, the rest is history. Uh, I got the same song and dance as all the other guys did. You know, up here, the Power Twins, they, uh, Herb brought them on board. Uh, Steve Ray, Kansas City, promised him the same thing. And Louis Spicoli and a couple guys out in California, he was going to give a little push to. He became Rad Radford and Bill Anderson, you know. And uh, there was a bunch of guys, Jesse Hernandez, and um, you know, with Bill Anderson out in California, her brought a lot of these guys over with him. John Tolis to manage, and uh, Herb had a a great knack for you know befriending a lot of people. And uh, he was very funny. He was very generous. He would take us out for dinners, all the boys. He would. You know, drive us around in limousines or town cars. I mean, he treated us first class when he first came in. And I guess when he had the money and then, you know, as time went on and the shows and everything and Herb started, you know, uh, doing his thing, you know, his extracurricular activity, you know, with the the girls and with the partying and all that. So that's where, you know, some of the downfall, you know, as you saw in uh, Dark Side of the Ring came into play. But Herb could have, you know, been the third company, you know, between Vince, WCW, and then Herb. There was plenty of room for three big companies, and we could have, if we had a national deal, or if Herb had more funding, I think the UWF could have definitely succeeded. But, um, you know, Herb, if, if Herb wasn't partying, if Herb's head was on straight. Because he was a pretty good businessman, but I think he liked the partying a little bit more than he liked the business end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I watched it uh, when it was on, and I, I, uh, well, I didn't buy it, but my, uh, my mom bought me the the paper, the first pay per view when it came on, and so uh, how yeah, did they? Uh, yeah, Beach Bro. I, I don't remember the. Uh, I know it was in the, uh, in the documentary, but I don't remember the Blackjack Brawl. Uh, did you have TV yeah, at the time when uh, that was on? MGM. What's that? Did you have TV when they did the blackjack brawl? Because I don't really have any memory of like it even being like uh, promoted or anything. No, we didn't have. I don't think we had TV at the time when we did blackjack brawl because that was a couple of years after we did beach brawl, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he said he had all kinds of people promoting it out there in Las Vegas and everything. And when we got there, another empty arena. Um, I got to wrestle Al Burke out there. He was called Doctor Feelgood at the time, and Missy Hyatt was managing him. And I got to win that uh, MGM Blackjack Brawl uh, title out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was, uh, he had a great talent out there. 
mm-hmm. but you just didn't promote it. And if you would have had TV backing it up, you know, a good six or eight months of TV and then really blasting it, maybe doing a couple of house shows here and there along the way to build the TV and build up to Blackjack Paul, you know, a lot more TV and saturate the market. He could have done better, but, uh, Las Vegas, you know, it's a boxing town. Um, or if they're giving away tickets, a lot of tickets that they usually do for, you know, the comp of people to go see shows and stuff. I didn't see, you know, I don't know why we did it in Las Vegas, but he did get MGM grand and, you know, it takes a lot or, you know, mm-hmm. a, a good businessman to, to secure a venue, something like that. Mm-hmm. So Herb was, had the gift of gab, you know, and he was very yeah. funny. People liked him. He was very charming and, you know, that, that was one side of him. You know, it was like a Jekyll and Hyde, so to speak. You know, one side, he, he did, you know, good things. He could, you know, get people to fund his shows or he could, you know, get funding or backing here and there. But it was inconsistent. And then sometimes he would use the funds for his own personal stuff. So yeah. that's where, you know, he got in trouble. Uh, did Was he the one who came up with the tag team, Went Wild? I actually came up with a name, Wet and Wild. Wild oh, Things, cool. Steve Ray, and, you know, Sunny Beach, Wet, and the Water, Beaches. And, you know, I approached him. I said, you know, he wanted to make a bit better tag division. And I was doing more single stuff. And, uh, you know, I said, I don't mind tagging. You know, put me with somebody. And he liked Steve Ray. And we were two, both of us were getting over at the time. And um, he had the Power Twins, the Killer Bees, Powers of Pain were coming in. He had the Black Hearts. Um, he, he had some decent tag teams that he was going to try to push and stuff and make the tag division a little better. He even had Terry Gordy and Steve Williams working tags once in a while. Mm-hmm. So, you know, straight from Japan and he was brought, bringing in the Samoans a couple of times. And, uh, you know, it would have been a, a really, really good tag. And all the guys, I mean, he was bringing in Rick rude. Uh, Andre was there for a couple of appearances uh, Greg Valentine and Honky Tonk Man, you know, they were under contract. And Vince, as soon as somebody came from Vince, after they were, Vince would let them go, Vince would bring them back or, or, you know, tell them, Herb, that they were under contract and send a legal notice to them, you know. You can't use Rick Rude, you can't use Honky, you can't use this guy, you know, six months or whatever. But, you know, Herb didn't care. He would have put him on TV. He had him in the audience a couple of times and he showed him sitting in front row, so to try to get around some of that stuff. And he had Andre yeah. with Captain's Corner and stuff doing interviews. So, you know, Herb didn't really care about the litigation or anything. You know, he uh, just cared about, you know, doing his own thing. They don't really go into it in the documentary how the show just ends. It just kind of, in the documentary, it just kind of ends. But they they don't really say, no, like, how. I think, show, I think the show should have been a, a lot longer, the documentary on Herb. It should have been a two-hour show because a lot of people didn't get interviewed. Paul Under didn't get interviewed. I don't know if he wanted to get interviewed or not, but, you know, there's certain people, you know, uh, Herb's cousin, Steve Simon, first cousin, he's out here on Long Island. He would have, I think they interviewed him, but I think they just cut his uh, part. Um, Herb's sister, Hildy, I don't know if she wanted to be interviewed. She's very private. Um, She, uh, uh, you know, didn't really, I mean, I think she was in contact with the producers of the show. Uh, but I don't think she wanted to be on there. So, um, you know, I think the show could have been, they could have been interviewed Bill, uh, Bill after and George Napolitano from the wrestling magazines. Yeah. Uh, they were around a lot back then. Yeah. They could Cause have been Bill after even did a, 
Yeah, that actor even did a video saying he wanted to be interviewed on it. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, you know, why they didn't reach out to some of these people. Um, you know, the Power Twins, they were there for a lot of Herb stuff and his shenanigans and everything, so they would have been two good guys to, to interview, too. Yeah. You know, but uh, it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So how did how did it end? Like, because it, it, in the documentary, it just kind of fades away. Like, was there, I know that you had the last pay-per-view, but did they just tell you the show that it was over? Like, how did you find out that there was no more UWF? Well, believe it or not, after Blackjack Brawl, nobody really wanted to work with her because he stipped everybody a lot of paydays with the checks and right. everything. And, you know, in the pay-per-views, it was very disappointing. You know, a couple hundred people here, a couple hundred people there. Herb was all, you know, tuned up at the Blackjack Brawl, too. Everybody knew it. And then, you know, it was just a, a bad scene all the way around uh, with the Blackjack Brawl. But uh, I think it was like a year, year and a half later, you know, Herb got divorced uh, from his, I guess, second wife, Murray Lee. And uh, he wanted to move back to New York. And when he moved back to New York, he contacted me. We got in contact and we were. We were always friendly, you know, I always kept in touch with him, Lenny Duke. Uh, he was the producer of the show. Um, you know, yeah, he bounced some checks, but he used, he always made good on mine. So thank God, you know, but, or he would make it up, take us out for dinner, my family, or, you know, if Herb had the money, you know, he'd pay you. If he didn't, you know, what are you going to do? Squeeze, you know, get blood out mm-hmm. of a stone, you know, but you couldn't do that. And I, I kept friendly with him. So he started, he wanted to open up again. He wanted to do some overseas tours, and he was trying to syndicate his tapes over in Europe, Germany, Austria, uh, Israel. So we were going to do a couple of overseas tours, and I told him the only way you could do it is if you have your TV on strong at least six months to a year before you go over there. Mm-hmm. So we sold a bunch of tapes to them, and he was getting some money from them, and then he was going to try to put together a tour, and he opened up an office in New York City at 7 Penn Plaza right next to uh, Madison Square Garden that people from blippy submarines had their corporate offices there and uh they had some extra space uh they gave them about three offices a little suite there on the mm-hmm. top floor and herb was trying to make a comeback he had captain lou up there myself johnny valiant was helping him uh we were all trying to get him back on track and trying to get him to book shows and sell his tapes and try to find some sponsorship and somebody that wanted to buy the tapes and he was you know, real close to doing that when he uh, started partying in his office that one night and uh, ended up having that massive heart attack and dying. Yeah. It was uh, one of the most emotional parts of that documentary was was Steve Ray saying, you know, uh, because a lot of it's playing a little bit for laughs and stuff, but Steve Ray, you know, he's just like, you know, a guy who believed in me, who believed in me died. It was very, uh, that was the most emotional part of the uh, documentary. He he did. He believed in me too and what Steve was saying. We filmed that. We filmed that part at my house. Steve flew in uh, to oh, New York, wow. and uh, we filmed uh, some of it at my house and some of it at my offices in, uh, in Long Island. And uh, Steve got really emotional. They had to stop the, t- the cameras a couple of times, you know, because he goes, "Herb really, you know, put me on the map and believed in me and gave me a chance to excel in this business and gave me a big push." And you know, I never had that anywhere. He said, "I worked in Kansas City." Sonny Myers trained them and, you know, Bob Geigel and Bulldog Bob Brown were there and trying to give them a little push. But, you know, it was very limited, uh, you know, in Kansas City with Steve. But he, uh, you know, he did believe in Steve and Steve had a, a very good relationship with him at the beginning. And then 
uh, I guess somewhere in Herb's paranoia, he thought that uh, Steve Ray slept with his wife, Murray. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's where that shoot thing came in with Dr. Death and uh, at the Pennsylvania Hotel with Steve. And uh, somebody told, you know, I heard this in the back. I don't know if it's true, but I don't care. I'll tell yeah. it. Uh, he said that they paid uh, her, paid Steve, like Steve Williams, like $500 extra to, to, to beat up Steve Ray in the ring, you know, and I guess he gave him a potato in the nose or broke his nose or made his nose bleed. But Steve Ray swears up and down that, you know, it was uh, planned out in the match in the back before they went out there. But, you know, we'll never know because Steve Williams is dead, Herb's dead, and Steve Ray's here. But if Steve wants to say what he, you know, his side of the story, who am I to judge anybody? But I heard two different sides of the story, but I don't know which mm-hmm. one's which, so I'll never know, I guess. Yeah. yeah that wouldn't be Everybody a guy you want. Yeah, I was just saying, Doctor Death wouldn't be a guy that you'd want uh, paid to uh, to shoot on you. No, he's think. tough as nails. If, you, if yeah. you're going into battle, you definitely want Doctor Death behind you on your team. Mm-hmm. Him, Stan Hansen, Haku. I mean, forget about it. Those three. You, you win some brawls. Rick Rude is another one that that was a tough guy. Kurt Henning could hold his own. Yeah. Road Warriors. You know, there's a a handful of guys. Warlord, Barbarian. There's a mm-hmm. bunch of you know tough guys in the business. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned a little bit. You uh-huh. <laughs> <Keep> going, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, how about Global? Because uh, I knew you were there for a little while, and that was another wrestling I watched. Because it came on uh, right after I'd get home from school on ESPN. So I'd watch Global, well, Global every day. Joe Pedersino contacted me about coming in because I had a relationship with him down in Southern Championship Wrestling when I first you know was starting out before I went to Vince. And Global was on, and they were starting to build their own stars. And I was still working with Herb a little bit, but I wasn't under contract or anything. So Joe Pedersino calls me up, and he goes, hey, we're having a big tag tournament down here, a global tag team tournament. We're bringing in teams from all over the country. We're bringing in the Renegade Warriors, the Young Bloods. We're bringing in the Royal Family, Jack Victory and the other guy. Uh, we're bringing in, uh, you know, people, Barry Horowitz, uh, uh Bill e, I mean, we're just bringing in guys from all over the place and we're going to try to, you know, have a nice tag tournament. I said, no problem. I'd love to come. So I told Steve Ray, he said, yeah, I'm down. We can do it. We'll be wet and wild down there. And he said, all right. Cause you know, we never trademarked a name or anything. We we're just using it. And I came up with a name. So I told her, Hey, it's my name. I can use it if I want. Mm-hmm. So we went down there. We, we did two TV tapings and then, uh, Herb called down there and got a lawyer or somebody and said that we couldn't use the name. And we were an exclusive contract with him, me and Steve Ray, when we weren't, because he was just pissed off we were down there. But we were never under contract with him, and we were on Global. And, you know, that, it didn't last long. And Joe Pedicino was pissed off because I told him I wasn't on contract and we weren't under contract. And he goes, Look, get it figured out with Herb. And then, you know, when you're done, call me and just show me you're not under contract. I said, I don't have anything to show. I'm not under contract. So if I had a contract to show you, I'd show you. I don't have anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we we were in there for that tag tournament. That was it. Then we were done. Yeah. And then after that, I think I went to Japan. So, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Pedicino just there. passed away recently too. Uh, were yeah, you close to I'm him? not going to I was, you know, when I was at Southern, I was a little closer than I was now. This was, you know, he married Bonnie Blackstone. They were married for a lot of years. Uh, Rhubarb Jones was an announcer down there. He was on the radio down in Atlanta. and He was doing some of the commentary and play-by-play with the Joe Pedersino and uh, Buck Robley. Colonel Buck Robley was there. And 
we had a lot of really good talent down there. And uh, I was uh, probably at Southern Championship for about six to eight months before I went to uh, Vince and did the movie No Holds Barred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Southern so I- was a good, you know, stepping stone, to, you know, on my resume, you know, learning and going up the ladder and getting to where I, you know, got to in the wrestling business. Yeah. Now, I read this story in line. What, what is the actual story here? It said that you lent the AWF title to Paul Orndorff, who never returned it. <laughs> there was a, a Mark kid that, that came into some money. I think both his parents passed away, Gordon Scassari. And he, he called me up, and he was living in Brooklyn, and they'd come to my house. I was living in Brooklyn at the time. And he, he wanted me to help him, you know, design belts. And this guy, Mike, he made some belts for AWF. And he wanted to uh, start a little promotion like everybody else. So I helped him get some of the local wrestlers from Long Island and stuff. And uh, we got the belts made and I did a couple of shows and I was running some independent shows up here in New York and New Jersey. And we did a couple of AWF shows and we went down to Puerto Rico and wrestled down there as AWF. Me and Jeff Gaylord were first AWF tag team champions. And Paul Orndorff, he was doing some, he, he worked for Gordon a couple of shots up here. He goes, look, I got to do a commercial or something. I'm doing something down here. Do you mind if I borrow the belt? And I said, no, you're probably going to be champion anyway. I said, go ahead. And this is when Eddie Gilbert was supposed to be the broker for Gordon. And um, he never showed up. You know, showed him up in Boston at a couple of shows. I, I forgot where we were in Lowell, Mass. I think we were shooting up there. Uh, did some TV there. And then we did another TV taping, I think, down in uh, Asbury Park, New Jersey. So uh, the Asbury Park Convention Center. Yeah, and uh, I was helping Gordon get some of the talent. I was going over some matches with him. I was like, I wasn't his booker, but you know, I'd tell him what to do. And you know, he was real green, and he did. He was just a big fan, a big mark, and he didn't know what he was doing. And guys were taking advantage of him, telling him to pay him more money, and you know, and I wasn't taking advantage of him. I could have, but I never did. I was trying to tell him, hey, bring this guy, bring in local guys, bring in just a couple of names, and then he, well, I like Sabu, I like the Sheik, I like this guy, I like that guy. I said, whoever you like, I said, you're thinking of it as a fan. If you're thinking of it as a businessman, you want to get some tapes in the can, you should do it this way. But, mm-hmm. you know, to each his own, they can only, you can only lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So mm-hmm. um, I did two shots with him, and then I went to Puerto Rico with him. And after that, I said, Gordon, you know, I'm, I can't work for you. And then he started blaming me for all his downfalls when he ran out of money. I said, I've never told you to pay these guys this and that. I said, that, you know, I, I tried to help you. I said, you, you took it all out of context. And, then he started spreading rumors. Oh, none of the guys like me, and that's why they wouldn't work for me. That's why he had to pay uh, name talent to come in and, and pay more money because uh, they wouldn't work for me. <laughs> so I don't know where that came from, but I was never his booker. Eddie Gilbert was his booker, right. and I was just trying to help him as a friend. And I guess you yeah. know he didn't know how to be a friend. So, mm-hmm. but uh, Gordon passed away several years ago, and I, I'm not going to talk bad about anybody sure. that's dead. So yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of the guys you but mentioned. I, I, I did know, oh, I did know Paul Dorker Belt. I don't uh-huh. know if he gave it back or not. But <laughs> All right. I, I did do that. And I guess I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Did you did you keep the uh, the, the TV title that you won in, in the UWF? Yeah, I had that belt and I have half of the tag championship. Belt oh, cool. I did keep a couple of belts. And then uh, uh, when I went out to California after her passed away, the, the family wanted me to go out and clean out his storage locker and all that. And some, you know, some of the investors with the UWF had me and sent some stuff back for them too, like some of the merchandise. 
which I did all that. I went to a guy by the name of Todd over in New Jersey uh, and some of the major investors with UWS. So uh, after, you know, her passed, you know, uh, I was one of the only few, probably the only wrestler that was at his funeral, um, you know, and uh, at his mother's house afterwards, sitting Sheva and all that with his family. And, um, you know, Herb was a, a friend to me and my family. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I had, we gave the respect and then all the, you know, the, the family and everybody wanted me to go out to out to California and go to, through a storage unit and stuff out there, which I did send a lot of stuff back here. And, uh, they had the midget belt out there. So I took that with us and nobody really <laughs> That's wanted That's pretty it. sweet. So I said, yeah. I'll hold on to it. Uh-huh. I have the UWF midget championship. I have the MGM grand, which I won. And then I have the tag, which I won. So, um, I have a couple of those in my possession and, um, that's it. So, yeah. uh, uh, people are always asking me if I want to sell them and, you know, it's just more sentimental value to me. Yeah, than, I know. agree. Yeah. You know, yeah, why, why would I sell it for, you know, a thousand or a couple thousand bucks? Somebody offered me five grand. I, I still didn't sell it, but yeah. you know, what am I going to do? You know, am, uh, am I going to get rich? Is it going to change my lifestyle? No. So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you. I'd rather keep it. Yeah. You know, I go to personal appearances with it. I show it off. I let the fans take pictures with it. Mm-hmm. I have no problem doing that. But, you know, I, I want to represent it the right way. And I think Herb would have wanted that, too, because he was a fan. And mm-hmm. the way you represent yourself out of the ring, you know, in the ring, you should represent yourself out of the ring, too. And pay it forward if you can, if you have that opportunity. You know, if the rest of the business was good to you, even if it was bad to you. Some guys are broke, bankrupt, and divorced, lost their homes, property, businesses. They still go out and they put on the happy face for the fans and, you know, like nothing happened. Then they go home, they're living out of their car, they might be homeless living in the street. You know, Tony Atlas is a good example of that. Tony's been homeless, he's had businesses, gyms, he's been involved in everything, he has ups, ups and downs, and he still goes out there and takes pictures with the fans and smiles and puts on a good face. And You know, it's all what you want to do with your life and how people treat you and how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, since you're north, since you wrestle a lot in the northeast, live in the northeast, and you knew Foley and right. you mentioned Sabu and stuff, uh, did did you ever have any uh, talks with ECW? ECW? Yeah, I, I never really did. Um, I don't know if I had heat with Taz, Pete, or not, but he put me over when he was first starting out with Johnny Rods. We did a little house show for Johnny Rods this one place in Brooklyn, and. Uh, you know, I beat him and he goes, you know, make sure you pull my tights, you know, and I pinned him clean one, two, three in the middle of the ring. And he got upset about that. And mm-hmm. I guess I had heat. And then when ECW came around, you know, I, I was working more, you know, still with, with, with Vince and, you know, other promotions. And I never really made my way down there. I knew Paulie. I knew a bunch of the guys there. And mm-hmm. my brawling, you know, with, with Cactus or with, you know, Terry Funk, I could have hung with all Sandman. Mm-hmm. Sunny Beach, I guess Sandman never wrestled him. A lot of those guys, I definitely know I could have had great matches with them. Shane Douglas, uh, or, you know, you name it, I could have definitely worked with them. Public Enemy, um, mm-hmm. all those guys, Ted Petty and Mike Durham, you know, that I was on a lot of shows with them, a lot of overseas tours with them. We, we, we worked great together. I worked with Cheetah Kid a lot, you know, when I was Sandy Beach, Sunny Beach, and, mm-hmm. you know, we all had great matches. So. But I never had the opportunity to work ECW, and 
maybe I wish I would have, but never worked there. I never even worked WCW, believe it or not, because I was working for Vince at the time. Oh, yeah. I was just, yeah, because, you know, I, I remember you from like everywhere. But yeah, uh, now you mentioned it. Yeah, he's never in, which is, uh, you know, because a lot of the guys would, would at least like you do a couple shows and all of them, but. Yeah, it was weird because, you know, I was, I, I was working Championship Wrestling from Florida and I was going to go up and do some Atlanta TV back when it was Championship Wrestling from Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I did the movie and Southern Championship came up back in 80, 87. And uh, I went to Southern because it was closer to my house, you know, from Jacksonville, drive up to Atlanta, do TVs, come back home, you know, do a couple of spot shows, maybe America's Georgia, Cordial Georgia, Macon Georgia. They come back home, you know, so it was, uh, it was just, you know, putting a lot of miles on your car, learning the business and, uh, trying to make it, you know, make mm-hmm. a name for yourself, get a little push here and there, wherever you could. No, what, what made you decide to leave wrestling? Um, you know, wrestling, you only have a short career in it, you know, unless you're one of the top sure. guys making millions, having a big contracts, doing movies, whatever. You know, there's only a handful of successful people. And, you know, Undertaker's, uh, you know, him, Hogan, uh, Sting, all guys like that, you know, um, Ric Flair. Only Mm -hmm. a handful of guys that I could think of right away have made it this long, 20, 30 years, Triple H even. You know, um, I, I got out because I knew I had to feed my family and wrestling wasn't paying the bills. Doing a couple of shows, you know, weekend warrior stuff, you know, making, you know, $800, $1,000, a couple of shows a weekend. I, I needed to make more money to, to buy a house, to feed my family. Um, I had goals and dreams. So I started a security guard company up here and I worked odd jobs, doing bodyguard work, doing collections, doing um, selling telecommunications. I had a great job for a company called Telligent in New York City. For three years selling telecommunications, I was making six figures a year. I was doing bouncing on the weekends. I was wrestling on the weekends. Um, you know, I, I did great from like uh, 98 to 2001, right after, uh, you know, 9-11, World Trade Center. Intelligent went out of business six months later. I lost my job. And thank God I had the security business to fall back on. I just started my company about a year before that, doing nightclubs, restaurants, lounges, whoever would hire us. I had about 10 to 20 accounts at the time, small accounts. And I just plugged myself into that. And I just took it to the next level and um, made, made it go. And now I've, I've got uh, over 800 employees in uh, New York uh, doing security guard services for us. Probably a lot less oh, now that this coronavirus is here. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, they closed down all the nightclubs, restaurants, lounges, everything here is on hold until this virus is over. And uh, that's 90 probably 96% of my business was nightclubs, restaurants, lounges, you know, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. As, um, since you're in New York, that's, you know, uh, the hardest hit, uh, state, like, uh, uh, what's, what's it like right now? Right now it's hard. Everybody's still at home. Everybody's still, you know, they're coming out a little bit wearing masks to grocery stores and you got to order food out. You got to pay on the credit card to pick it up and all kinds of good stuff like that. Yeah, I'm in Massachusetts. Um, we can still it's it's everything's closed. You could do takeout. Uh, you could. I did see that they're thinking about doing the only credit cards right now. You can still pay with cash. Right. Yeah. But, and you have uh, to wear masks. You know, I'm, 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 
I was remodeling my home here in Long Island and I had to stop, you know, everything we're doing. And I got my two car garage done and I got the, the den up above the garage done, but then I couldn't, uh, put the roof on. Everything's framed out. Everything's ready to go for two and a half months now. And I, I can't finish it. So I'm pretty upset about that. without yeah. allowing any construction, only, you know, mandatory stuff. But, um, you know, it's going to be a long, hard road. My security business, I got guys working at supermarkets now, keeping a safe distance away from people. We have 12 supermarkets we're doing on Long Island. We have a couple of doctor's offices. We're doing urgent care facilities where they're doing some of the testings for the COVID virus. So we have some of that. And I have a couple of churches and construction sites that we're doing now. But, you know, I really never did a lot that aspect of the security, you know, once in a while. But most of my business, I put all my eggs in one basket. It was in the nightlife hospitality business. And, uh, you know, I'm suffering right now. and My business is suffering because of this virus. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people in the same boat. But, um, Sierra, intro, do you have a question from uh, Facebook or the chat room? Yeah, I got a question from Facebook. Uh, Vlad, he wants to know if you have any examples of Herb Abrams doing good things. I do. Uh, thank you for asking that. Uh, I used to do a charity out here in Long Island called the Long Island Children's Foundation. I was one of the vice presidents of that. And every year, Herb would come. He came two years in a row, donated money, bought a table, uh, invited some wrestlers and stuff down, uh, myself, the Power Twins, uh, he used to always give back. He would make nice donations. Um, he helped uh, purchase a handicapped accessible van for a little girl out here in Long Island. And he also helped uh, uh, help fund some of uh, Cap Tree Learning Center, a, a handicapped uh, playground for some children out at a, uh, a handicapped school out here in Long Island. So that's a couple of things he's done. I've seen him, you know, comp tickets to go to hospitals, um, sign eight by 10 pictures for handicapped children and stuff like that. So he has done a lot of good stuff. Um, loan people money, believe it or not. Um, so, you know, uh, on every good side, there's a, you know, there's a good and bad, you know, you know, everybody sees the, the bad stuff, you know, that, yeah, he, he partied, he did drugs, he did cocaine, he, he partied with hookers, uh, you know, escorts, whatever you want to call them. But he, he did a lot of charity stuff that nobody really knew about. And I saw it firsthand because I was there. And I saw the rewards that these children, you know, rep by him, you know, making donations and helping out and trying to do some charitable acts. So he was a good guy. He was always, you know, around my family. He would take us out for dinners. Uh, he would take all the boys out for dinners. And uh, I can, you can name any wrestler. He's, you know, definitely had a dinner or lunch paid for by Herb Abrams. If uh, he was working for Herb, guaranteed. So he, he has done a lot of good. He was very funny. He was always like to joke around. He was a jokester and a great sense of humor. Uh, and people took time to, to see that or, or get to know Herb instead of bashing him, you know, then, you know, that would have been a good thing. But a lot of people only want to hear the bad in anything in life, you know? Mm -hmm. well, thank uh, you for asking that question. That was a great yeah. question. Oh, yeah. Uh, any other questions, Inchman? Uh, Steven from Toronto, he wants to know, what did you think of Colonel De Beers' gimmick in uh, UWF? Uh, I like Colonel De Beers. Uh, he was great in the AWA. Uh, they should have used him a little better, you know, in the uh, UWF. Uh, 
you know, I'm not, you know, one to play the race card or anything like that. You know, he was always, you know, from South Africa and, you know, they, they had him in there and Herb was trying to do some angles like that with the UWF. And, uh, you know, I wasn't a big fan of that. Cause that only, I mean, that's cheap heat, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whenever you're playing the race card and, you know, uh, he, he tried to, you know, put him up against a couple of young black guys in there and, uh, you know, it just didn't work out for him. And uh, I love Colonel De Beers and his, you know, cold beers, you know, think of it, you know, um, <laughs> that was an awesome gimmick. And, uh he, uh, I don't know where he's at. I haven't seen him in a lot of years, the Colonel. I don't know if he's still with us or not, but, um, he always yeah. treated me good and always got along great with him. Yeah. I remember when I first got in line in 2000, he used to be on this show that kind of inspired us to do this show, get in the ring that was out of New York. And he would call in once in a while, him and, uh, playboy buddy Rose. Cause they were good friends. And, uh, the first buddy time Rose he was, was another good clerk. Yeah, I love Buddy Rose. We had Buddy Rose on the show. I, I'm a big fan of Buddy Rose. Very funny, but, Buddy was. Buddy passed away, too, a few years back. Right? Yeah, yeah, he passed away, unfortunately. But uh, when Colonel uh, De Beers, when he first was first on that show, he was totally in character and really played, because there was two Jewish guys who, who uh, did the show. And, like, he was really playing right. up the character like he was really straight up racist. And they were just, like, appalled. And then he just, like, he started laughing and was saying he was just, you know, uh, working everybody, but I always remember that because it was very, it was very funny because he's very believable and really had the uh, the host of the show going thinking that this guy was like some crazy and he was just like think about it like would I have even worked with these you know with, with uh because I made them money just like I made myself money if I was really racist I wouldn't have actually wrestled them or anything but it was it you know, was funny a funny story uh, I was promoting some shows at a Jewish community center one time and it was me and Cactus Jack uh, at the main event. And I had Barry Horowitz wrestle Big Vito back when he was going by Skull Von Crush. Right. He was doing a little German gimmick, and I had the German against the Jew at the Jewish Center. <laughs> and you know Barry Horowitz went over that night in one of his Good. first matches he won. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I, I think back on it, and I'm like, what was I doing? But they wanted to see that, you know? And, right. and, and you know, and we cut some promos before that. And, Big Vito, he's, he's another great friend of mine in the business, as well as Barry Horowitz. You know, I speak to them both, you know, almost on a, a, a weekly or biweekly basis. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and it's good to have relationships after you're out of the business, too. You know, like uh, Stan Hansen, I spoke to him for a half hour today. He's out in Colorado. Um, great guy. Um, got a, You know, he's enjoying his grandchildren out there. And, um you know, I, I'm, I'm so happy for him and his wife, Yumi, out there. And they're just, uh, you know, living good. And, um, you know, that, that's all you can do, you know, put your time in, in the business and hopefully you get something out of it. Hopefully all your hard work pays off for you in any business, not just wrestling, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. And I, I got a lot out of the wrestling business. I got some great friendships. Um, I got to meet some great people. Uh, I'm I'm just coming back out. I haven't really been doing a lot with the wrestling in the last 20 years since I've been started my own business, like in 2000. But I'm starting to do some of these big events and some of these autograph signings. And I'd love to get up to Boston, New England, and see some of the fans up there. I wrestle a lot up there with WWF, and um, you know I'm working a lot with this uh, thinking promotions down here. Uh, Tommy Fierro, he's starting. I mean, uh, uh, he's starting a. a wrestling uh, group down here called uh, retro championship wrestling and uh, mm-hmm. keto santana's as commissioner he's going to have me manage some of his uh, young talent now so uh 
starting to get back in a little bit. So oh, I got to cool. itch again. I think at 56 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm friends with, um, uh, Joe who, who runs uh, new England pro wrestling hall of fame and, uh, and fan right. fest. And it was, it's been postponed this year. There was going to you know happen, but, uh, I will put, uh, if you're interested in coming up, I will, I'll, uh, I think he'd be, he'd love to have yeah, you because they have Mario Mancini and you know, a bunch of cool guys. Yeah. They had, uh, yeah, um, Pete Doherty there. They put him in the hall of fame, which ah, I was the Duke of Dorchester. I'd love to yeah. see him again. Uh, he's a man. He because uh, they were used to show the Boston Garden shows on Nesson, New England Sports Network, in, in the eighties when I was a kid. And right. uh, he had a short run as commentator, and I thought he was so funny as a co- I don't. I wish he would have had a longer run. And I still remember I they wish would he show- too because I loved him. I, I remember seeing some of his commentary. I thought he yeah. was great. I still remember is because they would show like the heel cheating on on the replay, and he'd go, "It's an optical illusion," and I just thought that was yep, like the funniest thing. I didn't thing. see nothing, you know. He, he was good with that. He would cover it up. Yeah. I thought he was great. I really did. I mean, he was he was excellent. You know, in and out of the ring, he was a funny guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I got fond memories of him at No Holds Barred. You know, filming down in Atlanta. We. We, we all went out a couple of times down there and we had a good time. So, and then when we were on the set having lunch or dinner or whatever, breakfast, we'd all get together, all the boys eat and stuff. So it was, it was a good camaraderie down there. You know, everybody did their own thing and everybody had their own parts and stuff. But, you know, a lot of times when we were filming, everybody watched each other, encouraged people. Um, you know, it was, it was just a good camaraderie. Yeah. And you don't really see that too much anymore with the guys. That's good. You seem very positive about uh, about wrestling and life in general, which I like to see. Well, you know, I'm a family man. Uh, today's, believe it or not, my 31st wedding anniversary of my wife, so oh. she's a little upset that I took a, a little over <laughs> an hour away from our time uh, together right. this evening. But, uh, I got to spend the last 31 of uh, the best years of my life with her, so I, she could give me an hour just to do the show here. All this right, is actually my well, second show today. I did a show from Arizona earlier. Oh really? Well, I appreciate pretty, pretty that you let, that you let take time time away. No, marriage is a give and take. Uh, I give and she takes. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will let you get back to her, and uh, and congratulations on your anniversary. Well, gentlemen, thank you for everything. I enjoyed the show. Uh, if you guys ever need anything, I'd love to come up and see everybody up in the Boston and Massachusetts area. And, uh, Hopefully, I'll make it up there sometime this year if this coronavirus ends, or maybe yeah. next year. All right, very good. So, yeah, fan fest. I love doing the fan fest. I love to meet all the fans, and always got eight by pictures, eight by ten pictures available. Always uh, sending stuff off, and uh, if anybody needs anything, thinking over here, uh, I do some exclusive signings with them, and uh, we do a lot of meet and greets, and we do a lot of fundraisers. You know, a lot of handicapped charity events, and uh, oh, nice. That's about it. Very good. But well, I appreciate so you doing this. What in Bicep? I haven't heard too much out of you tonight. What's mm. happening? <laughs> well, I, I normally just ask the questions from the message board. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much, Jack. One inch. Uh, mm-hmm. Great show. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely. And uh, if you ever need me back on your show, let me know. You got my number. All right. We will do that. Very good. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right, gentlemen. Take have care. A great evening. Be well. Be you safe as well. There. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. This is Pete Brian Blair, and you're listening to In Your Head Live. Check it out. Boom.
boom, and we are back here once again at In Your Head Wrestling Radio. And it's good to talk to my brother, my hombre, my soulmate, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my buddy, my friend, my amigo, my pal. Mm-hmm. Oh, I be the one inch biceps. He's the power goat. He's the baby boss. He tells people what to do. There you go. He's Thanks, a Billy heartthrob. He's all jacked now. He's doing the mm-hmm. he's doing the steroids. I don't know what's going on. But it's good to talk to you. I'm not on the roids. I'm just teasing. <laughs> don't know. I gotta pee in a cup. Find mm, out. You, you gonna send somebody out to make me pee in a cup? <laughs> I am. Who do you Too bad I got the wizardator. <laughs> Who would be trustworthy, you think, to, to watch someone be in a cup? Tazo the Greek. Not that's Tazo. probably the Come that's, on. Probably, that's like, probably like the least trustworthy person you could think, <laughs> I would say. It's just totally insane, man. Mm. Maybe Steven. I think we could trust him. Steven seems like he would call it down the middle. Mm-hmm. So, Steven, we're volunteering you to come and watch people pee into cups. <laughs> That's how much you mean to us. He's in Canada, and he's probably going to keep it that way. He probably doesn't want to watch anybody pee in a cup. It's true. So, and try, I actually have watched some wrestling. I watch AEW. I watched, I watched this, uh, this blockbuster pay-per-view, and I watched <laughs> The Dark Side of the Ring. You watched all of the pay-per-view? Yeah, I watched the whole pay-per-view. Oh my goodness, I'm amazed. Man, was it a, it was a, it, it happened. <laughs> yeah, I watched pretty much all of it. Uh, I might have missed the first 5 10 minutes or so, but uh Yeah, it happened. It was uh, the shits. <laughs> The whole, uh, uh, you know, what everybody was watching it for was the uh, fight into the top of the uh, building match. Mm-hmm. The money in the bank that away. But, uh... Boy, the, the, why does a WWE just, okay, I know they don't want to copy AEW, but just admit AEW at least knows how to do this. No mm-hmm. crowd wrestling much better. They throw some wrestlers out there. It adds an atmosphere to the show. It's like night and day. A no crowd show in complete silence with the wrestlers still playing to the crowd is just complete shit. I don't care what anyone says. It's unwatchable. Yeah, and like, you know, it gives them opportunities to have the wrestler get involved whenever they're standing at the, you know, yeah. in, at the, at the, in the audience. Mm-hmm. And, uh,. I think they they're just too proud to admit like that's how they should do it, you know. Yeah, because this stuff is bad. Like it's it, okay. Our truth doing it is is fine because he's gimmick because he's dumb, mm-hmm. but everyone else is doing it too. Yeah. <laughs> and the why do the women have to like yell so much when they're, they're like ah ha? They don't. The men don't do that quite as much. The women's match very noticeable. Tamina and uh, and, uh, and Bailey, Bailey, lots mm-hmm. of just you know, lots of noise. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. weird. 
Why the fuck is Tamina on pay-per-view in a singles match? I think just because they just needed people who was in the vicinity at the time. <laughs> like, who's around, Tamina? Uh, uh, we're out there, I guess. Like, I think there's some people who's just in Florida, and they're using them a lot more. Uh-huh. So, I think that's why some of these people get get their push. Right. Yeah, so the the rest of the card really it's just bad. It's like I, I mean like the Seth Rollins uh Reigns uh, not Reigns, Seth Rollins um McIntyre match, like technically it's very good. Mm-hmm. And like with a crowd that probably would have been like a really good match. And it was still it was still the best car- match on that show. But without the crowd, it's just like eh. But at least I will say that was a good match. A lot of that stuff was just god awful. Mm-hmm. Without a crowd, it's like, oh my god, what the hell that! Oh my god, that Bray Wyatt match was the just the total shits. <laughs> Prayer Wyatt challenging Braun Strowman for the World Heavyweight Championship, and uh, they had the puppets get involved at, at, at oh some point god. of the match. God, I was just like, what am I watching? Why was he like a total fucking idiot? I don't know. It's like the fiend was like it's a guy that the crowd. I'm not really big into it. I'll be honest, but the crowd loves it. I've seen it live. The crowd loves the fiend. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, let's make him into this. You like, let's have him wrestle with the sweater on. Yeah. I guess because it's easier for him to take a loss when he's not the fiend now, but like that seems like more of the main event feel to a match. Oh, yeah. It's Braun Strowman taking on the fiend. Yeah, this was like that's like an undercard guy, this guy in a sweater. Yeah, it's like, it's like the librarian guy or something. He's a nobody. And like, so usually if someone has like a character like the fiend, they're like a normal guy and then they'll do the fiend. You know, when it's a big match, they're doing it reverse. He's the fiend and he like can't get beat. And then for the title match, he's just like a goofball who's almost like a who doesn't do anything except for when his puppets do some magic. But like besides that, like he could do anything to Braun. Yeah. Yeah. This this magic stuff is just it's bad enough when they did like the Cena match where it's like in his head or whatever, whatever. But if you're doing like presenting it like a live match and like he just appears with the mask on and in different clothes and I'm just like, come on. Mm. This is just idiocy. <laughs> and what was the point behind having him put on the old, his old mask and then like him just taking it off and all that? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it was like. I don't know. I mean, everybody, I think everybody at home was probably thinking, oh, he's going to take the mask off. You know, it seems so predictable. And regardless of who I think is better or whatever, they're pushing a guy who isn't, who used to be really over and it's kind of like stale now. They're pushing him over a guy that was like really hot. It makes no sense. (laughs) Mm-hmm. They probably should have gave it back to Bray as the fiend, you know. Yeah, because he honestly, probably should have this... never lost it to begin with. Yeah, no, honestly, if you're gonna have these things and have these crazy ma- like you might as well have the belt on the guy who has like these magic matches and the uh, 
you know, the TV, the movie style matches. He's like the mm-hmm. perfect guy for to have the belt right now. If that's this, that's the direction you're going with. Yeah, that is true. but how did you feel about the the money in the bank match fighting all the way to the top of the roof to get in the ring and then climb the the ladder I'll admit there was a couple things I I found amusing and when it started well first of all they did the shaky cam too much which was actually kind of hard for me to watch and at first I'm like oh this is kind of funny I thought Daniel Bryan was pretty, but after a while, I just thought, oh, this is, it's just too dumb for me. <laughs> like I like the, I like, I actually really like Otis and I'm, I'm, I'm good with Otis winning, but the match itself was just kind of, it was just too dumb. Well, I, think, I, I, don't know, I like Otis winning, but it's like, yeah. I heard that he announced that he's just going to be going for the tag belts with, with him and Tucky. And I thought, what? <laughs> yeah. That that was so he he's not actually even going to go for the main title, and it's like what's the point, you know? I mean, I, if he was like somebody who was like an already established star who could be like, I want to go for the tag belts, right. and that could make the tag belts seem more prestigious, yeah. you know, that would work. But he's not on that level right now, so this just makes him kind of look like a goof. Yeah, I agree. Makes him look like a dumbass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was one of, like, in theory, I would like these vignettes of, well, like, the cameos of guys popping up. But I thought they all were done really poorly. Like, you had, like, this fake doink and, like. Yeah, that uh, doink didn't even look like, like, doink. No, not even <laughs> close. They're WWF. They can't find, like, a, a good doink. Yeah, it looked it looked more like uh, Noel Foley's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I hope to God it wasn't actually him. I guess the janitor guy is was uh, Bruce Pritchard's son. Oh, really? Yeah. Even that was like so lame. Like, why? Why would Rey Mysterio just start going and checking out some guy in the bathroom? Wouldn't he rather go and try to win this match? You would think. Like, it made no sense. <laughs> He's like, oh, man, there's some guy, a uh, man in the bathroom. Let me go check that out. It seems very homoerotic. It's weird. And if anything, I would think, and now I guess maybe technically we can't do this because, you know, the vibe. But if you're testing everybody, like, if that whole building, every room they went into was just packed full of, like, old WWE guys, like, Tank Towers is filled with, like, IRS walking around and Sergeant Slaughter and all that. That would have probably made me laugh. But you had like three or four people. And like, I don't know, that just seemed kind of dumb. Like there was just like mostly an empty building, but, you know, Brother Love just happens to be peeing. But like if you had the whole building was just full of old WWE guys, like somehow this is just where they all live. Like that would have been funny. But it was very, it was very poorly executed. I think the humor is just really lame. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then you had uh, Rey Mysterio fall into his demise. Why are people making such a big deal about Rey Mysterio being thrown off the building, but they don't even mention Aleister Black? No. Now, if you were going to do that, you had to show like what happened. 
Now, yeah. if they would have threw him off and then they would have cut to just like a dummy with Rey Mysterio mask falling off the building, I would have just popped. You know, like like a Super Dave Osborne back in the day. Like when mm-hmm. you know. mm-hmm. Now that would have been money. But they just and like there was like a little bit of a split. It was very weird. It's like when when the cameraman panned down to see a guy getting thrown off the building. Mm, yeah. Uh, you would think that would be a logical thing to do is to, you know, show what actually happens to Ray. Yeah. After he, you know, he supposedly gets thrown off the building. Mm. And but, why would, why were, why did Oscar and Baron try to stop each other from getting the, the, yeah, I didn't understand that. Baron was like, no, no. It's like, why does Baron care if Oscar wins? Uh, my God, Vince McMahon, I don't want to be morbid, but he don't look like he's long for the world. No, he's been looking pretty rough the last few years. So, Yeah, but this is like the worst I've seen in a while. He looked barely bad. He did not look, he did not look good. Mm-mm. What is Vince now? He's like 70, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe even if 70, I don't know. And Stephanie has to just come in and like, Talk down to everybody, make everyone look. Everyone looked like total morons in the whole match. Says so he's seventy four. Even though Oscar won, she came off like an idiot. What? Why did it take her like a half hour to go up one fl- flight uh, on an elevator? Everyone else like was running up the steps, and they got there before she did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I, I... I wasn't expecting like big things for this, but <laughs> no. I was curious just to see what would happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This really, th- watching this maybe, um, it didn't change my opinion of not tuning into to Raw or SmackDown. I was like, well, I've had enough of this. I, I don't think I need to watch any more until the next pay per view. Yeah. At Ooh. least it was short. Imagine if this would have been like a normal, like four or five hour pay per view. Yeah, I got to nine thirty, and I was just like, "Okay, we're in the show." I was like, "Fine by me." <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you would have bought that. If you, I don't know who in the right mind would, but I guess you would have paid did with your subscription. Yeah, I mean, the t- I don't mind paying ten bucks for the whole month of stuff. But imagine mm-hmm. if you would have paid like fifty dollars for that. Oh, good. For that one show. No, that's not good. <laughs> and it's like. I think AEW kind of like did behind the scenes brawling like the best that it could be done because they they had like a bunch of people involved in it. You know, I mean, yeah, I thought I'm going. Sorry, I'm not sure if they just like had like some people come in and they just stood there for a while and then they like moved them or something. But like it's it kind of gave you a feel like they were really like behind the scenes brawling with the full crowd, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought AEW was super fun this week. I really enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. I love seeing Sammy getting run over by the golf cart. That yeah, was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. It um, was just a really enjoyable show. I thought it felt it felt you know almost like just a regular AEW show, if, as close as you can without like an actual crowd. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. some people were bitching about. Um, Brody Lee getting a title shot, but I, I have no problem with that. Like he's undefeated. 
Uh, he's a big star. I actually would like to see this match, so I don't know why anyone would be against that. Yeah. I mean, he asked Moxley, and Moxley agreed, so I don't know who else would be, like, eligible to be taking on Moxley right now, and he's the new guy, so... I mean, he feels like he's, like, a big deal to me, but, like, it's hard to tell without the crowd there, but... Yeah. Uh, I would now say I, it's probably, like, somebody everybody wants to see in a big, prestigious match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, i like to see it, and I think both guys... Uh, well, Moxie always has something to prove, but uh, this will be Brody Lee's first, you know, big match since leaving WWE, so I think he'll, like, really want to prove himself. Like, you know, you, you guys did me wrong. You know, I you know I deserve to be in a big spot, so I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like yourself, I'm a big fan of Brody Lee. So, you know, as a wrestler, I love the whole ending to the show, though, where they had the inner circle on the big scoreboard, you yes. know, at the Jaguars field, uh-huh. and then Chris Jericho and uh, the inner circle was flipping off the camera. I mm-hmm. thought that was a pretty cool shot. The Matt Hardy changing um, outfits. That is dumb enough, but not too dumb that I, that it it entertains me. Mm-hmm. Like he he could conceivably, which he did because it was the last show. He could conceivably go and switch clothes. Like you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it wasn't like magic or something. So it was kind of it's it's borderline for me, but it it was silly, but silly in a way that it still entertained me. Mm-hmm. He wasn't teleporting anyway. I'm fine with them being insane, as long as he's not like a wizard or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, the the yeah the man in her she uh, she's having a baby. Mm, the man is having a baby. Is this like the sequel to Junior? Back in the day, on the very first in your head, and then for a lot for for like the first year, I would always ask if the if the uh, Ju- if the Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger classic Junior was reality. And now it's finally happened. The man is having a baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Seth Rollins has defied all the odds, and it seems that he has got the man pregnant. You think he calls her the man while he's banging her? Like, You're the man. <laughs> You're the man. <laughs> You're the man. Oh, yeah. Make <sighs> my dick like a man. I haven't watched Raw. I didn't see her like uh, uh, surrender her belt. But, I didn't uh, see it either. Yeah. So how I, I hear found it was out quite about emotional. it. Yeah, but I'm cool with it. It's weird because I have seen people like really trashing her, and I'm just like, I mean, it's a they're you know if this couple are gonna have a baby, good for you know good for them, and like you can't expect this a person to keep wrestling if they're pregnant. I mean. I don't know. Wrestling fans are can be very bizarre. I think if Vince McMahon stays in control of WWE, we're hearing a lot of uh, talk about it possibly being sold, but I think this is probably one of the worst times that you could choose to have a baby <laughs> for for Becky Lynch because I don't know if she's going to have the same spot when she comes back. I mean, you see Roman Reigns staying home because he, you know, he's at high risk from going through his leukemia treatments and all that. And usually you're seeing what's happening to him. But maybe she doesn't want to come back. Maybe she just maybe have a baby and just, you know, now she's 
I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I mean, having a, having a child should be like a bigger priority than. Yeah, it is a big priority, but I'm just talking about the mindset in WWE. And I don't, I think this is pretty much the end of her, uh, big run. I don't think she's going to get another one. I think, uh, when, um, like, so down the road, like if things are really hurting, They'll probably be happy to have a big star return, you know, in a year or so. Yeah. Same thing with Roman Reigns. Honestly, when he's ready to come back, they'll probably start blowing him. <laughs> Just blowing him. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, where do you get all, where, where Where's all this stuff from you know, I hear that Stephanie McMahon sold a lot of her stocks and stuff like that. And I mean, yeah, it seems like they do this all the time. How much? Stock, how, how many times can you sell millions of dollars of your stocks? Mm-hmm. Haven't they've done this like three or four times now? You think eventually just wouldn't have any? Yeah, and it's like how? Like it seems like she always seemingly has like a, a endless supply of it. Yeah, oh, I yeah, think it's a big scam. I think mm-hmm. this whole selling stocks is a big scam, so they can just get, you know, m- millions of dollars of their own company and still own the company. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Hmm. Seems but pretty shady, is what I'm saying. A lot of people are talking like that they may be trying to sell WWE, but it's like I don't think so. But who yeah. knows? Who knows? I think they're just trying to get some money because they know the the stock's going to keep falling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't. I just can't really see him selling the whole company. I mean, who knows? But I, I don't foresee it. Yeah, I think uh, uh, you know, like the kids would definitely be very uh, pissed off by that. Mm-hmm. But maybe not. Maybe maybe they don't care. I don't know. I would think Triple H would definitely want to take over the company at one point. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think you would definitely have his butt hurt by not <laughs> losing that opportunity. Yeah. But. I will say, as bad as the pay per view was and the WWE product is, the uh, Last Ride uh, documentary, Chapter One, Undertaker, that was great. I highly recommend that on the network. I did not watch it. Um, Very emotional. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll have to check it out, but like some of the interviews I've seen Undertaker in recently, uh, he doesn't come off as a very likable guy to me. <laughs> but he does maybe, on the does me. he? Uh, yeah, he's very honest about uh, break, his body breaking down and uh, and very honest about it, a lot of the matches weren't were, were good. Like his, he was all set for that match with um, Roman Reigns to be his final match, and he just knew it was bad. And it's just like the you could tell like he is a so so broken down and not nonstop surgeries, but he doesn't want to go out, you know, on a bad match. It's a, it's it's very emotional, very sad, and <laughs> you can see how much he just loves the wrestling business. Too. So he says, road race, that was just bad. And then he's like, then I was like, let's do Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, they didn't get to that yet. Oh, geez. So he's and, uh, still trying to have that good match. He was like, the last five years, the the thing was like he would, 
he for months he would train for the one match, have that match, and then immediately have surgery to fix you know all the stuff he broke in that match, and then heal up and then start training again for the match. And it's just like, man, this is kind of it was. It's honestly very sad. And you just know this guy is just like his life is pain now, and it's going to be even worse as he gets older. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hmm. Well, yeah, I'd it. And I don't think yeah, I don't think he's satisfied with the whole AJ Styles thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They, they they didn't get to that part yet. It just ended with the Roman Reigns match. Yeah. It was going to be his final. So I didn't I didn't realize it was more than one part. So looking forward to the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And you get to see a little bit of your man, uh, uh, Michael Hayes, and. Oh, really? Well, I'm sure he has all kinds of great things to say. <laughs> Why does AJ Styles stop and stare at Undertaker photos? <laughs> Why is he traumatized by him? I don't know. That was really, that was really lame. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty dumb. Didn't understand that. Then he got thrown into the room. I would have liked to seen how he got under out from the weights. I thought that was pretty funny when Otis pinned him under the weights, you know, and like, yeah. and he was asking uh, for help and they want to help him out. I, I would have liked to seen how he got out from under room. I mean, I like that they were like a good like three inches from his chest. Like yeah, they were. They were. <laughs> But that was dumb enough that it was dumb, but like it kind of made me laugh. So, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, you could definitely tell he wasn't pinned, but they do that all the time in wrestling. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't show. There was no follow up how he got out of it. Mm hmm. No. Kind of like when Braun Strowman came out and he had the grappling hook and he pulled the set down on top of him. <laughs> you could tell it wasn't hitting them. If they would have had a guy with a grappling hook come and save him. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, that would have been neat. You know, get. I mean, like you could, you could get so creative with this stuff, but they just, they, they just kind of go. Mm, they just kind of half-ass it, you know. I did think it was done pretty well how AJ kind of fumbled around with the briefcase, like because he never, it, he never really had his hands solidly on it, mm-hmm. and then it fell into uh, Otis' hands, and I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. How about I, you know what was great was the pie, was pie jokes because mm. pie, pie fights is just the height of a uh, comedy. Yeah, nineteen like twenty three. <laughs> well, it's coming back one of these days, oh, and, once, yeah. and once it comes back, WWE will be there on top of it. <laughs> Who there thinks let's have a guy throw a pie? And so, I mean, honestly, when when's the last time that's been funny? Like the forties. <laughs> Oh, pal, I used to see this on the Looney Tune cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best, pal. <laughs> and the, my favorite comedian, you know, Curly Joe used to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, <sighs> but, yeah, craziness in the wrestling world nowadays. Yep. Crazy times, Incher. I um, watched uh, NXT from last really? week as well. Yeah, yeah. I've not Velveteen. watched NXT since it's been on. Velveteen Dream took on uh, uh, Adam Cole, and uh, he did not get the belt. Really? Yeah. That wasn't a big shocker to me. With yeah. Did he get a little boy? Allegedly. 
<laughs> no, no, no. They didn't mention any of that from the match. I thought I'm are. surprised. I'm surprised. Like, I, I, if it's not true, I obviously don't want anything to happen. But I am surprised that they even have him on the show at all with the allegations out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They must feel confident that he didn't do anything. Well, hopefully he didn't. I mean, oh yeah, I agree. I, agree. I mean, anybody like. Whoever got a hold of that picture, you know, uh, they, they, you know, they, I don't know. And they have audio. It's of hard. Too, so. There's audio of it too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's not good. Yeah. Hmm. But I, I don't know. I but don't know. it was kind of proven that the Tessa Blanchard audio thing was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Falsified. Right. So you can fall. You can fake some audio at times. Were you upset when that was fake? Uh, you know, honestly, I was actually kind of happy that it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like, oh, my God, she's actually doing that. Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm cool if people do whatever they want. But, like, you know, that's, like, pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Mm. Pretty low. And especially, like, someone paying her to take a shit. Like, if that's just what your boyfriend's into, you and your boyfriend, you know what I'm saying? Or you you and your uh, your significant other and your privacy, whatever. But, like, if you're just taking money to take a shit for somebody, that's kind of pretty low, bro. Yeah. I know that's – I'm going out on a limb there. A very prudish stance about it is, it is. money for, for shitting. I guess it would be easy money, though, getting paid mm-hmm. to shit. <laughs> it's something you gotta do anyways yeah would you take would you take the uh the mark's money like if like nikia was like intro i would like to see you take a shit no i'm not i'm not i'm not wanting anything like that out there right that's it's yeah i'm not looking to profit off of my my yeah. beautiful bowel movements <laughs> all right nikia would never do that it was just the no. name popped in my head Brian mm. Clutter, maybe. But not Nikhil. Actually, honestly, it would probably be like Tazo or something. Yeah. He seemed like he'd be into that. Don't you think he'd be into scat? Mm, maybe, maybe. I think yeah. he'd just be into anything really foul and vile. He strikes me as an individual who uh, who's down with anything. Mm. But he's a good guy. Good dude. Good dude. Good dude. Uh, anything else you want to talk about on the wrestling, or you want to get to these questions? Gee, it's just uh, it's hard to really recall anything because I don't I don't really remember it that much after after it happened. But mm-hmm. so I guess we can get to the questions. Yeah, uh, John Barker, he's uh, he's trying to uh, take Nikhil's spot here. He's got many questions. Uh, number one. Jack, when Incher snaps and shoots you, what are your last words? Oh, my. I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. Nothing like stop, please, or or don't shoot me, or I've got kids. Or, <laughs> hey, that's your rifle, not your gun. <laughs> I'd probably have to reload if you threw like one of your cheesy liners at me. I was like, <laughs> it's like uh, I was angry, but I'm really angry now. 
Number two, is it time intro for the return of your favorite segment, fan fiction? No. <laughs> Three, how angry was intro when he heard about Becky's baby? <laughs> I wasn't angry. I just kind of, I kind of thought to myself, well, it was nice knowing you. Since the IWC hates Becky even more now, is it time for Snitsky to come back and become the biggest baby face of all time with a Becky miscarriage? <laughs> That'd be something. Would, that, would, you, would you feel weird if, like, like, well, there is no crowd, but if it was presented as a good guy, like, because he, he kicked a pregnant woman in the stomach and gave her a miscarriage? <laughs> no, that would be weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Number five, do you guys have the love for Juju or do you just want to screw screw? Hmm. I think everybody, well, I speak for everyone when I say this, is in love with Juju. I got the love for Juju. Mm hmm. Are the Dark Order the wrestling version of the TMNT Foot Clan? Uh, let's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Foot Clan. Find outcasts, give them anything they want. Those who pass join are given a mask, especially from the first film. I have no idea. I've never seen the movie. I know very little about it. You've never seen the first Ninja Turtles? I've never seen any of the movies, no. Oh. I'm not, I just don't, they never appealed to me. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, it does seem very reminiscent of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles until Brody Lee kind of got into the mix. And now it's like, it's changed into like Brody Lee's wanting to be Vince McMahon and like, they're all his underlings. And, and but didn't. From what I understand, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles just uh, ripped off Daredevil. Did they? That's what I've always heard. I don't know, because it's like the, the it's like in there like a who trained the turtles? Like I guess he's like I don't really know anything about Daredevil either. So, but from yes. I, I've heard this before. Uh, um, Splinter, he he was a rat who got um, right mutated, and he trained yeah. the turtles. Yeah, because they say he's just a copy of Stick. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know huh. about either one, but this is what I've heard. So I don't okay. Know. Well, I mean, it could be a similar storyline. I mean, I, I've seen you know Daredevil the uh, show, but yeah, I never made I that connection. But it is it is very uh, similar. I guess they had the the equivalent of that in the comics. Like this is mm-hmm. the story that they portrayed on the show was just like a story they did in the comics. Right. Seven. The most important question of all time. Uh, name three good things about the greatest caller of all time. Swacks that ass. Man. I think uh, that he hasn't called in for a while. It's probably the greatest. He is very enthusiastic. Uh, yeah. I like when he calls Gail Kim a bitch. <laughs> I like his brother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do enjoy their their fights back and forth. Yeah. He has a nice voice. 
He does? Just like... This is why... It's very monotone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, you're into that ASMR, so you might be getting an ASMR vibe off of Swax. Off of Swaxy? Mm -hmm. Would he uh, take out a lighter and burn the hairs off my ears? Whoa. You're into some kinky ASMR. No, that's that's like the weird one to me. That's like uh, they they take out lighters and they like burn off like ear hair, like the little the little hairs. Like for some reason, this is a thing that they do now. I'm like, I think I'll just leave that hair. I mean, <laughs> is it really bothering anybody that bad? Do like people jerk to that? No, I don't think they jerk to it. I just think it's like. Something bizarre that people see, and they're like, "Oh, how about that?" It's Big like sh- in Turkey, I guess. It's like a big thing where they come up with it to burn off ear hairs. And you're you're a kinky bastard. Uh it's not like a, I'm into that. I, I just think it's strange that they oh, do it. It's, it's like, huh? Uh and he says, "Keep up the good work, guys." Thank you. Vic Schiavone, do you think that the WWE had a more extreme angle for Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio and they chickened out and just had them land on a secondary roof? I didn't think they did. They show that they land. I don't I don't know. I didn't know they showed anything. It would have been nice if they like fought on their way down from the roof. Like while they're flying each other. Yeah. And just start punching each other. That'd be awesome. Mm hmm. That, why if he, if Ray is leaving, why not just kill him off that way? And like Ray could have looked like Alexter could have looked at Ray and been like uh, uh, Christian, and then Ray look at him and be like Satan worshiper, and then they just start exactly. fighting. You know, exactly. that would have been good. It's just been like me and you fighting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fighting for the Lord. I'm fighting for Satan. Uh, Jason Mitten, how'd Intra get so jacked? How did I get so jacked? Uh, A lot of steroids. No. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm not not that jacked. I mean, I've just been lifting a little bit here and there. Getting the shots in the ass of the steroids. <sighs> Brian Matthew Clutter. If I recall correctly, the original NWO just sort of fizzled out as members randomly stopped wearing the t-shirts. How would you have booked an actual angle that ended the faction? I think you you should they should have had a an you know WCW or NWO match. Loser, you know, winner gets it all. Winner gets mm-hmm. over the show. Mm-hmm. That would have been the way to do it, I think. That would have been pretty awesome. And then you just take the losers guys off for a while. And then, you know, you can bring them back down the road. Mm-hmm. Either mm-hmm. as the NWO again or, you know, or just bring them back, you know. For sure. Maybe they have to fight for their jobs. Or, you know, there's ways you can do it. But I think, yeah, just a, a battle. Uh, winner takes the show. And the loser goes to hell. Go in the name of Satan. Ah! <clears throat> <clears throat>
gonna be my new gimmick. I've been uh, the internet icon for long enough now. I'm just gonna be satanic, Jackie Jones. Nikhil mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Callahan. Any memories of the late great Jerry Stiller? The late great Jerry Stiller. I guess my favorite thing that I've seen Jerry Stiller do was probably uh, George Costanza's dad. He's pretty funny in that. And he was pretty funny on some of the King of Queens stuff. I've never watched King of Queens. But, um, yeah, I like him on Seinfeld. That seems kind of a cop up. I just haven't really seen him in anything else. Yeah, I mean, I I know like he had like a comedy duo with him and his wife like back in the days. But, like, I think that was before my time. So, uh. The, um, I was going to say, the, um, uh, some of my friends, uh, Bill Ween, who's actually in the movie I made in February, um, he was good friends with them and, uh, and worked with them a lot. So, mm-hmm. and everyone I see who, uh, cause he worked with a lot of people in the new, in New York, a lot of comedians and actors and everyone just says he was a great guy. Oh, well, that's good. Number two, Colt Cabana, Orange Cassidy, and Darby Allen are all in the number one contender casino ladder match at double or nothing. Who else should be in it, and who do you think should win it? I think it's uh, six competitors. Mm. Trying to think. No, uh, I would like to see Darby, but I think if you're the winner, fights uh, Moxley. So I think it should really be a heel that wins. So maybe uh, put MJF in it. It's a good pick. I was kind of thinking Dustin, maybe, but it was Dustin in it. No, but uh, they still need three more people, so you could Dustin. put Dustin in. I, I'm good with Dustin too. Big mm-hmm. fan of Dustin. I know, like he got beat up by uh, by uh, the, the the Killer Hulk, mm. but you know you could have that as like his return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is Janelle it, Joey? Uh, Joey Janela. No, he's not in it. No. I put him in there. He's always good for those matches. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good people in AEW. You could put somebody mm-hmm. from uh you could put Sammy in there. Yeah, yeah. Number three. Do you think Brody Lee has added something to the Dark Order which was missing beforehand? I think it's definitely elevated it. Uh, I'm not crazy about him just doing the Vince McMahon character, though. I would prefer him being like more himself and more like a, a leader, not just like you know berating his people. Does that make any sense? Uh-huh. Um. I, I would like to see the mask guys. He kind of just disappeared after he came in. I was actually really liking him on promos. Evil Uno. Mm-hmm. He he really grew on me. He was a guy that was the total shits at first, but he, I think he really uh, grew into the role. They could have really was a good promo guy. They could play off of each other pretty well too. I think like him I think like so too. trying to carry out be the second order. You know. Yeah, yeah, he's the second in charge. Maybe there's a mm-hmm. little tension once in a while, you know. Even if you don't, you don't need to split them up, but you know. Yeah. Or you could just be just right hand man, you know. Um, 
Yeah, that would be good. And so it seems Grayson, like he hasn't been around either. No, it just seems like since Brody Lee took over, it's really just been him and, and nameless mask guys. Could it be that they don't live in Florida? <laughs> it probably is. That's probably all there is to it. <laughs> <laughs> just their geographical location is, or works against them at this point. Says, are you worried that two ex WWE guys, John Moxley and Brody Lee, are fighting for the AW title at Double or Nothing? No, it does not. Mm. I think people uh, fixate on that too much. Yeah, they're not WWE guys anymore. Yeah, and I think it's good to bring in guys that the crowd knew were misused in WWE. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a good job at picking the right people to bring in. What was this stuff about Renee Young getting in trouble? Why was she in trouble? Yeah, because uh, she was doing something, that, you know, at, from her home on, you know, WWE, like on tw- Skype or however they do it, Zoom. And like uh, Moxley just came in the background because, you know, they live together. And you could yeah. see him. I thought, I mean, come on, guys. That, that's lame. <laughs> it's his house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean it's and it's not like 1978 or something. People know, you know, that these people actually live together and stuff. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are you a fan of the following and any memories? I always like this from Nikhil. He really gets into the obscurity here. Just Joe. That's a name I haven't heard of in a while. I'm I'm not familiar with Just Joe. <laughs> Who is Just Joe? Um, I'm trying to I'm gonna look him up because I I remember him. Oh, he's Joey Legend. He, yeah, his name was just Joe. I don't have really any memories besides he was on. He was there. So I I don't like or dislike him. I just remember he existed. Man, that's obscure. Vito. Vito, I like. I know. I like Vito too. I think he was just where his because a lot of people didn't have uh, fond memories of being around him, and I could kind of see that. I could he kind of seems like he'd be grating to be around, mm-hmm. but I liked him as a you know on TV and stuff. I liked the character. I thought he was yeah, a good wrestler. He was good wrestler, yeah. The Angle Alliance, which was Kurt Angle, Karen Angle, AJ Styles, and Tomko. And I remember kind of liking some of that stuff. Uh, I like Tomko mainly because I thought he was like one of the standouts for the group, but he kind of just fell off the earth. You never hear about yeah, him. Yeah, I know. I think the last thing he was like doing mm-hmm. like math in like a in like Applebee's a or something. I yeah. think it was Applebee's. Hope he's turned his life around. I like the guys. Man, this is one I don't remember. Prince Justice Brotherhood, which was Shark Boy, Super Eric, and Curry Man. That sounds like a hell of a faction. <laughs> now, you're the big impact, Mark Andrew. Do you remember this? The Prince Justice Brotherhood? Prince Justice Brotherhood. Who was it again? Curry Man. Super Eric and Shark Boy. Oh, vaguely. I, I think I vaguely have a recollection of it. So. I think that was after I quit watching because I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what I can tell you, Nikhil. <laughs> Here's one. I like the team, but I know Inch or Love, their gimmick, Beer Money. 
Beer money. <laughs> oh, I do like the song. That is one wrestling song that pops in my head that I start singing every now and then. How did it go? Watch your money and your alcohol. Because oh, when the shit starts sinking or something and you know you're gonna take the ball he's from the country <laughs> he's from the city he loves the city lights he loves something I don't know it's a good song sounds <laughs> like total shirts well, I'm probably way. not doing it justice right now I don't know. It kind of sticks in my head, and I start singing it every now and then. I think now we can look back, Andrew. Do you think uh, Cowboy James Storm did the right move when he he decided to go back to TNA instead of sticking it out with uh, NXT a few years ago? Mm, probably not. Yeah, but like <laughs> no. he left Impact, and like I guess he just does NWA now. So power. Maybe he just didn't like to schedule or something. I don't know. I really think uh, it's too bad because actually he's a really talented guy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, never uh, never really rose to the, the levels he should have. TNA Frontline. What the hell? Um, he doesn't even explain this one. Cross the line. I remember them always saying that. But wow. this It was like a billion people. Was it? AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Rhino, Brother Devon, Brother Ray, Daniels, Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, Consequences Creed, James Storm, Jay Lethal, Robert Roode, ODB, Petey Williams, and Eric Young. Mm. I love Did this that. really happen? <laughs> I guess. Oh, they feuded with the main event mafia. Uh, mm. I have no memories of this. I'm sure it happened. But yeah, I don't remember it very much either. Do you think it's like the Berenstein Bears and, and that movie with Sinbad as the genie? That it really I, didn't happen, but it was like in an alternate TNA reality? Mm -hmm. I think Nikhil cheats. I think he watches old footage and then he brings it up to us. I don't think he really recalls this off the top. I of think screen. he does, because I remember in the old message board days, he was like a huge fan of these really bizarre people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, he was a huge fan of uh, Kurt Hawkins. And this was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, ECW New Breed. Can't say I was a fan. There were some good people in it. It was like... Um, Elijah Burke, I think, and Kevin Thorne. Oh, That's yeah. Right. It was a group that fought the ECW Originals. <laughs> yeah, they're cool. I, I always like Elijah Burke. Yeah. Uh, all right. Don't have the got the pounce. Uh, Marcus Corvon. Here you go. It's your Brodus Clay. Brodus Clay. He's currently a Fox uh, analyst now, I think. Huh? Is so. he whipping his dick out to women or something? Or just text him he wants to fuck him or something? Well, is he fired now? Did he get himself in some trouble? Or is this stuff from back in the day? Yeah, it was just recently. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know about this. Sexual harassment. Oh. 
Well, nice knowing you, Brutus Clay. <laughs> the Funkasaurus. See you later, buddy. Yeah. I remember when the Funkasaurus debuted and you were like, this is the greatest gimmick of all time. <laughs> I do not recall saying greatest gimmick of all time. I do remember being uh, pretty high on it, just thinking, like, they actually surprised me with something, you know? Yeah. I'll be honest, like, the kids liked and stuff, but they really just didn't push it or anything. This kind of yeah. became a, a goof. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Mike Knox. Boy, that's a name that just disappeared. Yeah, you don't hear from him anymore either. Yeah, he was before his day because he had a big giant beard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now he'd just be a guy. Like, oh, yeah, it's another guy with a big beard. They should bring him into a feud with Strowman. Because mm. they kind of they have the big beards going on. They do. Maybe their beards could get tangled together and they could be like pulling on them and just like giving like a stare down. Is this another kink? No, no, no. Have you seen that Russian game where like they just slap each other? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like the full on hardest slap you could give somebody. And they just stand there and take it. This is like, oh my God, this does not look healthy. Maybe that's something you could get into. No, I think I'll pass on that. Mystico. No, I thought that guy was the shits. The original, yeah. He's pretty bad. Well, yeah, he was Sin Cara, the original. I never saw him as Mystico, but as Sin Cara, I thought he was just awful. Mm -hmm. He has Mystico and Sin Cara here. Yeah. As Sin Cara, he was bad. I I can't really speak on Mystico. Right. Ricardo Rodriguez, uh, very talented, and uh, I never thought uh, the Mexican Jeff Jarrett was the same after uh, they got rid of him. Alberto Del Rio. <clears throat> I like I like Ricardo. <laughs> he's he's in a bit of trouble right now too. So. Yeah, I'd say Alberto Del Rio is uh, probably done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks crazy in that mugshot. <laughs> He's looking pretty menacing, yeah. Yeah, there was like crazy. He was like telling some woman to dance for him, or else he was going to throw her a child in the street. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's some crazy behavior, ain't sure. Very crazy. And I like the guy, but this, 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 I cannot endorse. This, good man, good man. This is bad. Alex Riley. I actually thought uh, he was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think he, I believe the thing about him saying that uh, Cena screwed him over because I thought he was like he was green, but I think he had a good look and uh, had charisma. Was over too. Yeah, I watched that interview that uh, the dude on YouTube did with him, and uh, he was he's pretty good in it. But he he wouldn't like go into the Cena stuff. Yeah. It's like, come on, dude, just say it. Just say right. it. If you're not going back, they're not offering you a job. Right. Tell the marks what it was. Make the marks happy. Oh, man. Here's your favorite. The teacher's pets. I don't know what this is. The teacher's pets. That was Brian Kendrick and Paul London. Oh, no, no, no. Teacher's pets. 
Pants. They were with Michelle McCool. What company? WWF. Oh, it's oh. a guy that, that became... Uh, God, what's his name? Oh, man. doesn't list their name here. I just see a picture of him. But it's a guy that... Uh, oh, what's his name? He was the... Uh, let me look him up. Uh, he was the stunt double for the Miz. Oh, Damian Sandow. Yeah. Man. And what's the other guy? I don't know. Uh, let me get a good image up here. Kind of looks like Bobby Eaton. Oh, who is that guy? I don't remember this. You know, I remember he's going or he brings uh, Idol Stevens. Oh, okay. Man. I vaguely remember that happening, but I don't have any memories of it. No, me neither. What well, do you think if she would have married Idol Stevens instead of Undertaker, um, she would be uh, bigger no, now? Or no, no, whatever you're going to ask. No, <laughs> not a chance. No, Carlito. That's a name. I I was actually a big fan of Carlito, and I would like to see him pop up again somewhere. Missed the guy. I like him. It seems like a good dude. Yeah. Remember, he used to spit apples. Yeah. He's Tyson. Still around. Mm-hmm. Tyson Kidd and D.H. Smith. Mm, yeah. I always liked uh, D.H. Smith and Tyson Kidd. They kind of made a good group, but just mm-hmm. just didn't work out for him. Yeah, well, Tyson Kidd got hurt, unfortunately. But yeah. I, I would like to. I think D.H. Smith is amazing talent. I would. He should. He'd be a good pickup for anybody. Jericho. I was actually a very big fan of Jericho, and I thought um, that really elevated the tag belts. And uh, it was probably one of the last things that I liked Big Show in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought I thought that was a good group. Uh, the Straight Edge Society. That was a good, a good group. Uh, I do remember them. So, yeah, because you're one of them. Mm-hmm. You know it. I shaved my head now too. I finally got with the program. Damn. Need to get all tatted up. <laughs> nah, no tattoos. Just some X's on your hands. You could just do that with a Sharpie. Yeah, yeah, as long as it's removable. Man, how about a brand if you don't want to get a tattoo? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I'm not, not down with that either. Right. How about like those, since you shaved your head, how about getting like those little horns, like, you know, like they cut your scalp open and like stick the little like nubs. In your head, so it looks like you have like little uh, horns. No, that'd be pretty cool. No, I don't want that. Then we're going, we're going with like the goat. You get like these little like goat horns underneath that, your. That's scalp. a hard no, Jack. That's a hard <laughs> no. Really? It could be hard. a good look. No, no. <laughs> Uh, Eric Bischoff said one of the main reasons TNA failed was because they didn't move from the impact zone. Do you agree with this statement? No. 
I don't either. I think that's really a non-issue. I don't think really. If you're watching at home, do you really care where it is? It's, you know. No, I mean, like, I guess you can, like, say, like, the crowd's kind of dead because they get it all the time. But, uh, but still, no. I guess he's thinking from my exposure standpoint, like, you got to get the name out there. But, no, nah, I don't think that was the only reason it failed. Sting's WWE Legends contract has expired. He was tweeting about AEW. Do you see him making an appearance in AEW, and would you be a fan of it? I would love that. Mm-hmm. It, maybe it could be another, like, a UWF moment when they got Andre. <laughs> he would show up to AEW, and then WWE would instantly bring him back. But I don't think he has the ties to... Uh, WWE like he, no. like he does. Uh, probably has more ties to people in AEW. You know, Arn Anderson and Tully, mm-hmm. and probably Cody because, uh, you know, with Dusty and Dustin. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they treat the legends a lot better. So, yeah, for sure. I like, if he did come in and had one last match, is there anybody like would be cool to see him against? Mm, Jer- yeah, Jericho or. Uh, uh, who would I like him to face in AEW? I just think him and MJF <laughs> would work well because MJF's not a guy who does like a lot of big moves where like so mm-hmm. he wouldn't have to take a lot of crazy bumps. So it'd be more about the storytelling. So I actually think that would work, he and I think that would be a big that would really help elevate MJF like fight wrestling thing. He want to get broken like Seth Rollins did exactly too. exactly. Mm-hmm. Him and him and uh, Darby Allen tagging would be very cool, actually. Yeah, that'd be neat to see. And then you wouldn't have to use him a lot. He could just come in and do a couple big moves, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I would like to see. That'd be good. Um, why does Meltzer get a lot of criticism that he favors AEW more than WWE? Uh, just because people like the bitch. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I like it way better. If you ask me, you watch it, and you're like, which one of these are, is like the superior programming? Which one entertained you more? Mm. I'm going to go with AEW. So, can you blame Meltzer for liking it more? I mean, mm. and he knows a lot of the people there, so that, that, that can't hurt, you know? I guess he knows the people at WWE, but like the higher-ups don't talk to him. Uh, where was I? Where's I? Um, oh, why does Vince like? Why doesn't Vince like tag team wrestling? Pretty good question. Just doesn't like it, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's a thing he wants to promote that much. He doesn't seem to think it's important. I always was a big fan. Hmm. Do you think when Triple H and Steffi take over the company, they would get rid of all Vince's mates and bring their own people in? Nah. Because <coughs> they've been ass-kissing them, too, you know? They know what's up. What's, they know the score. So they're, they're getting in good with them as well. What if... Um, but when you like to see, like... Uh, them just berate like a Bruce Pritchard and fire him like live on TV. That would be pretty awesome. Not that I want to see him lose their 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 job. But how about what about hit Michael Hayes? Sure. 
Oh God, that's just, I, I would have to tape that and just run it back over and over and over. That would be the best. He's wearing like a red suit with like a red fedora in the Undertaker. <laughs> that's kind of like one of his outfits that he does a lot. Yeah, he really only has like a couple. I think he just wears them a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As I, I like, I actually like that kind of stuff. But he does look stupid, like wearing that like all the time, like. Every time yeah. backstage, you have like this big like when everyone else is just like got a, like a polo shirt on, and he's got like a three piece suit and <laughs> fanny pack. He's got the fanny pack rocking with the suit. Yeah, my friend told me because I do like I do find a fanny pack is very useful, but she's like it looks dumb. So get a military pouch instead. So it's like does the same purpose but looks a lot cooler. So mm-hmm. that's what I've, I've been, and I have to agree. It was, it was good advice. It doesn't look a lot cooler. Excellent. Military pouch. Hook it up to your belt. I got one that I could put a thermos in because I have a big thermos cock. No, I mean, a thermos to drink my coffee <laughs> out. Somehow I knew you were going to go there. See, this, I heard the word thermos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dig it. All right. And sure. Where the hell are we? By the way, so I hear I'll post a picture of it. But uh, the reason, the main reason I'm going to post this picture in the chat is I have this new Stephen King shirt. And I think Stephen King is ripping off uh, Jim Cornette because it's very reminiscent of the Jim Cornette logo. What do you think? Mm. Yeah, I've seen that shirt. And uh, it, it does seem like a, a bit of a rip. But perhaps the artist is just yeah. drawing it very similar, you know. Mm-hmm. But I dig it. I dig it. And I got my Michael Myers military patch on the uh, military pouch. I have no idea why they were made, but I have all these monster military patches. They kind of make me laugh. Yeah. The, it's like, why would they? Re- why would they make them? Today I had my pinhead on, but but I like them. Uh, hey, where the hell were where we? what you dig? There you go, boy. Mm-hmm. Boy, ha! Ha! I lost the questions. Oh, here we are. You need the questions, Marty Van Buren. Did you ever consider being less violent and alpha in your life? I'm not a violent man. Just the violent one. Hmm. No. Nah. Never crossed my mind. Yeah! Ha! Well, I'm very, uh, I think I've been drinking a lot of coffee because I got up at 3 30 in the morning. Oh, I've been up all day, but I'm not tired. But I, I was drinking coffee to stay awake. And I don't, I drink one cup a day, but I drink a lot. And if you don't drink a lot and then you, you drink a, some more coffee, it, I, I used to drink coffee all day long, and it really wouldn't have an effect on me. But now that I don't drink mm. it all day long, the mean affects me. What the fuck is uh, is uh, Lexar doing? He's got, like a lot of interference. Going on. Sorry, fucking bitch. You're a bitch. Uh, Marty Van Buren. If Becky Lynch was a candy, which would she be? Mm, probably uh let's see hmm butterfinger oh that's good i was gonna say a peppermint patty 
Mm-hmm. <sighs> this coffee's good, isn't you? I like a nice, really strong, dark roast black coffee. Very hot. Now when I drink my coffee, I keep it in the thermos. so it says boiling hot. So it just burns my mouth all day long. You can kill the coronavirus with the burning hot water. <laughs> exactly. By the way, though, even though I like the dark roast, the darker roast of the coffee, the less caffeine's in it. Oh, really? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. No, I wasn't until recently. So the lighter roast actually tastes weaker, but it actually has more caffeine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't like the flavor. I like the the dark flavor. Which that's something Inch and I agree on. Inch, <laughs> we've got Lex on one. Yes, sir. Lexar. Mm-hmm. What's up, my man? What is up? Yeah! I'll tell you what, I am joined. Yeah! Enjoyed... Your mom's on the line? No. I enjoyed uh, Money in the Bank last Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Total shit, don't you? Huh? Uh, oh, please. Uh, this is the. Uh, I like the way. The whole Money in the Bank ladder match. Maybe the best one of all time. I'm not kidding. The swax level. I don't want to hang up on Lexar and sure. Let's let's think about this. WrestleMania was it seventeen? You're saying it's better than that ladder match? Come on, Lexar. Were you did did you fall on your head? No, I'm saying the just the best money in bank ladder matches of all money the money in, in the bank, bank ladder matches. Nah. That one from last Sunday was the best one. But as far as like, TLC with Edge and Christian or something in seventeen, that's all good. Oh, come on, Lexar, you're killing me here. You like I'm that saying, shit? Uh, it's I'll, entertaining. Uh, well, I gotta admit though, the some some of the. Uh, uh, appearances like uh, from uh, John Yeah, yeah, that doink thing. Uh, he reminds me of that uh, fan that dressed up like a clown. I think that's, that's what him. I said. He's banging uh, Noel Foley. Please, no. Do you Don't think? Me. Do you think if you just dressed as a clown, she, she would just think you're her boyfriend and just start blowing you? I should dress like a cut clown from it from the it there movie. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Dress like actually, the clown. I actually saw. Me? I actually saw a Pennywise porn. They sent it to me to review, and I gotta say it sucked because, like, they said it was a Pennywise p- p- pornography, and really it was just a porno scene, and they bookended it with Pennywise, but Pennywise was not actually in the actual sex. So I, I gave it a thumbs down. I assume if you're if you're pushing a Pennywise porn, you have to have the clown doing the banging insure. You can't. So it's like Pennywise grabs this girl, then they then they're in bed, and he's no longer Pennywise. It's just a guy, and they're banging the girl, and then she wakes up like it was all a dream, and then Pennywise is in the bed. But all the actual sex was just a dude. You could do that with anything. That's just you could just like. Have a woman have sex. She wakes up and Godzilla's there. And say so this is the Godzilla porn. But yet, I'm if you're gonna 
if it's going to be the Pennywise port, you have to have Pennywise doing yeah, the, the pack. I would think so. Then the, the same company, then they sent me a um, Adam's Family porn. I started watching that. And I was just like, this, this is just too weird for me. Because it's like, you know, they're supposed to be a family, but they're like, you know, having like an orgy. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't really don't want to see a family having an orgy. You want to see like, you know, Wednesday Adams blowing Uncle Fester? Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. Oh yeah, here Uncle Bro. Like, nah, I don't want to see this shit. The fuck kind of creep you think I am? <laughs> Very strange. So I get that sent to me, then I then I get like board games sent to me. It's like I don't know what these people think I am. It's very eclectic mix of stuff they want me to review. <sighs> All right, Lexar. So you love this stuff. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Lord. Enjoyed the uh, uh, Ray Mysterio knowledge to black getting tossed off uh, by uh, Baron yeah, you Corbin. did. Yeah, they landed safely on the uh, mat. You know, there's I heard few. they did. I heard they died. No, they they landed on the mat. Really? Uh, you, I think they're clearly dead. see it on the overhead view of the corporate headquarters. You could clearly see there's like a big uh, mat, big foam mat. Really? Yeah, on the side, yeah, on the side of the building. I agree to disagree. I think they're dead. Well, the, if they yeah. were dead, you would see. I read uh, that uh, it was been reported on all the sites that they're actually dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did they make an appearance uh, last night on Raw? No, they're dead. That was their yeah, ghost. That's just the new guys. They yeah. just put a different. They just put a mask on some guy, and they they put buddy. They put new uh, tats on Buddy Murphy, and just they're just calling him uh, Halister mm-hmm. Black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they probably got uh, Sin Cara to dress up as Ray Mysterio, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're dead, man. They they died for your for your enjoyment. What, what are your fondest memories of them? Of what? Ray Mysterio. Mm-hmm. I think my fondest memory of Ray Mysterio was uh, taking on Johnny Mundo and Lucha Underground. Really? Yeah. And Aleister Black, my fondest memory of him is him showing up and Michael Cole losing his mind on one of the UK shows. Oh my god, it's him And I'm like, who is he? I don't know who he is I really like it when he sits Indian style I'm just like, yes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Damn, can't believe they're dead Too bad R.I.P. Dead Dead, dead, dead So what else, Lexar? I don't want to pee on your parade if you're loving it all the more power to you mm-hmm. and you love total shit but whatever that's not total shit this is the future of wrestling as long as this pandemic lasts and you know what I wish no ill will on anything but I wish this pandemic will last for until uh, until WrestleMania so we could get creative cinematic matches like the Boneyard match or the Firefly Funhouse match, the Money Bank. So, 
This like brings like, what would they do for the next several months? What would they do? I think he's really trying to get hung up. <laughs> what would they do? What would they do for Hell in a Cell? Extreme Rules, TLC, Elimination Chamber. How would they plan cinematic matches with those? I think Lexar's bet somebody that he could get hung up on or on the show or something. Good <laughs> lord. Yeah, Jack, yeah, yeah, I don't think any wrestling fans are that into this stuff. I mean, and, uh, I mean there's no ratings. The ratings are in the toilet. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. I don't think anybody really likes this except for you, Lexar. I think you're in the minority here. If this is the future of wrestling, uh, I'm not. A, I'm not a future fan. I guess. I guess. I'm, I'm a, <laughs> is this I'm what it feels there. like to have Lexar piss down my back and tell me that it's raining? Are you? Are you fucking with us? Is what I'm asking. No. Uh, I mean, you will. Will you? Will you watch uh, AEW empty arena matches? You probably would. I do. Yeah, I, I watch them. I, actually, I watch. I watch every show, Lexar. Um, I don't watch them like as they're airing. I normally watch them later, but like I've seen it just about all the shows that's been on recently. So, but uh, I, I can't say it's better than like you know wrestling. No, it's not. It, it would be better with the crowd, but it's. But at least uh, I will say that their their no crowd shows are much better. The yeah, shows. yeah, I prefer it with the crowd, and I think it's better for the company. I mean, I don't know, like uh, this, this really isn't a like they're not making a whole lot of money besides like the networks just giving them money, and they're if they're if the ratings keep tanking, I don't know if they could make it to another WrestleMania. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean it's uh, the lowest all time ratings for like Raw or or any other wrestling like ever. Like, because people are not enjoying it. Well, that's on them. So. <laughs> <laughs> Lex starts having a bomb. <laughs> He's like, yeah. <laughs> if they want to suffer, they got nothing else to watch. There's no sports. There's nothing yeah. interesting. So, un- unless they like to watch the COVID 19 updates all day, then. Oh, yeah. I mean, because there's there is absolutely nothing else you could do. It's either watch uh, the news or WWE. I'll watch like the regular like family crap. Like they had like this Disney sing along crap. Do you want to watch that? Do you I haven't watch- watched. I, I, I besides the pay per views, I've not watched any WWE programming since WrestleMania. I've not watched one Raw or SmackDown. Because I, I think it's, I, to me, it's unwatchable, so I just don't watch it. Not even like a couple minutes of it. Hmm. I seen like Jimmy Fallon, he's like doing a show over like Zoom or whatever, and uh, yeah. and like is it just looks like a podcast that's on national television nowadays. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's like I think they're on the same standards as like Disco Inferno and and uh, Conan right now. You know, I mean, uh, it's just like this is a, this is grainy internet footage and <laughs> and just people talking every now and then it cuts out and it's like and this is the Jimmy Fallon show. This is the Tonight Show. 
<laughs> that that's the Tonight Show. It's like it's very bizarre. Yeah, and I've seen some things, and like I don't know if Jimmy Fallon does because I don't like him, but um, some other shows like because they still do like the monologue. Mm-hmm. That's really weird. With like you know, just a guy like sitting there by himself doing a monologue. Yeah, like trying to tell jokes and there's no crowd to laugh. Or <laughs> I haven't seen the monologue part, but yeah, that does sound very strange to me. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I was uh, watching like Better Call Saul when it was on, but it's went off the the, the yeah, the, I was too. Yeah, that was that was a pretty awesome show to watch. Yeah, that's awesome. I agree. Um, what? There's other things out there to watch. I'm sure. Yeah, or just not watch TV. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's a lot of TV shows I like. So. But if you enjoy it, Lexar, okay. Yeah, you should watch whatever you like. But mm-hmm. but this idea that there's absolutely nothing else you could do with your time is kind of silly. I, I I really don't think that uh, it's a better program though. So I no. I want to I want to like if this pandemic does end, I don't look for you know like. Uh, you know, them to continue shows with no crowds. I think they're looking forward to get back to having full arenas very quickly. Yeah. yeah. So don't don't hold your breath on that, Lexar. Mm-hmm. I won't. But, yeah, you're uh, not. You're not gonna first. go. You're not gonna start like mailing people like viruses and stuff, trying to to keep the pandemic going, so you can keep getting you know the pay per views like this. Are you? Uh, no, I didn't know how to mail a pandemic, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Don't don't Google it. Or so anyway, not unless I like be real nasty and not like wash my hands or not like cover anything. I yeah. just like cough and sneeze in the air and just hide. <laughs> You're not going to start doing this, are you? Hmm. So you feel the show is more creative right now? Like that? The storylines yeah, are most, compelling. Well, the storylines is the same as the as with the crowd shows, but like uh, creatively with the, the 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 cinematic matches, it's very creative. And WWE has done cinematic matches before, but people like you just trash on them, like the yeah. like the Randy Orton. Well, ultimate deletion with Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. You thought it was shit too. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, like if you if if you watch it, you there's there's little like spurts of like entertainment that you you laugh at it, but like overall, like the quality of what they're doing really really isn't that great. I think I think no, the performers even know that. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah. No, basically, no one in their right mind agrees with you, like, sir. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> but, but I agree with what Jack says. <laughs> uh, huh, okay. Man, I don't know. I just, I'm at a loss for words, like, sir. <laughs> Does your mom watch it with you? Uh, she doesn't watch any wrestling. Even when I first started watching it when I was a toddler, uh, she never understood why I watch it. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, She never watches uh, any wrestling, any sports, nothing. She just watches like old Spanish movies, those telenovelas, those Spanish soap operas, Mm -hmm. any movie in Spanish, any movie in Yeah, that's what she watches, movies. Movies and telenovelas. Do you like that yourself? Or uh, Actually, it's, uh, actually, when I was a kid, uh, there's a few telenovelas that some of the women are really hot. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, uh, but, Have uh, you ever Lexard a telenovela? <laughs> no. But I went to uh, uh, Lexard, some of the actresses that played in one of those. Some something really hot though. Got nice bodies, nice features. The makeup is on point. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm kind of just picture uh, picturing Lexar like uh, Lexar in like an old school TV right now. <laughs> As a telenovela on it. Uh, you're a really horny guy, ain't you, Lexar? Uh, somewhat. Somewhat. Are you hornier than a tin pecker doll? I'm not hornier than tin pecker doll. Oh, okay. I was just did, does your mom watch watch them for the hot guys? Uh, not really. She just watches for the storylines and the drama and all that stuff. And she even like a, a like one time she was into like one of those telenovelas and she, like. When one of us betrayed or something, or there's a fight, she like, she like, egg on on that thing. She like, cheer on like if it was a sporting event. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So now, she'll basically overreact. Now she's caught you in the act before. You know, doing the old the you know, whoopa whoopa whoopa. Have you ever walked in on your mom? You know, like uh, rubbing her hoo ha. <laughs> she doesn't rub hoo ha. Uh, okay. She doesn't do nothing. Uh, how do you know? Maybe she does. She just does it privately. Or maybe she does it mentally. There, there, there's a couple. I've read uh, some uh, theory, theories on this that people mentally masturbate if they can't masturbate. Really? Yeah. They like Dang. mentally masturbate, but they can't like uh, jizz or anything. It's like Professor mm-hmm. X of masturbation or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> You ever do you ever get into that inch of the mental masturbation? Oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta concentrate pretty hard. Uh, you ever try this, Lexar? Actually, I did one in my sleep. Like Ooh. I was masturbating in my sleep. I was like, I think this is called a wet dream. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's been documented. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, Lexar. It happens. Yeah, I woke up with like. Uh, mm-hmm. like uh, we know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we know. We know, Lexar. You woke up with like clam chowder in your lap. <laughs> did you just yeah, go know. back to sleep, or did you wash up? I just used the bathroom. Yep, that there like wrestling. Mm-hmm. Let me tell little Lexar what what, what was wrong here. <laughs> it's like it's all right that you had these feelings, Lexar. <laughs> what you experienced was nothing out of the ordinary. I'm deeply offended. <laughs> what? 
Why would you be offended by that? I'm just like reenacting like an old school like uh, a sex education film, like where they have to tell the uh, the kid that you know he's yeah, what he's just experienced was nothing bad, you know. Right, right. Yeah, don't punish yourself. Like, I don't think you're the kind of guy who would be punishing yourself. But. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, anything else, sir, Mister Lexar? Yes, I'll get into my uh, questions from the Hediverse. I got two of them. Um, this one specifically for the Inchman because he didn't answer this the last time. Um, uh, now, would you buy a WrestleMania plaque with the capsule of dirt from the Boneyard match? Oh, yeah, I've seen this. And uh, no, <laughs> I'm not going to buy a thing of dirt from WWE. <laughs> It's like, yeah, of all things that they could sell. It's like, yeah, how do you know that that is? Yeah, this is the dirt from that 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 scene. I mean, screen used dirt. Are you buying the dirt, Lexar? No, I want to buy actual memorabilia. You want to buy actual dirt? No, actually, green aprons stuff Go yeah ahead. is it a play off of like how they like cut up the ring apron and like sell pieces of it like are they just like shitting with us here like like oh you can get some dirt from the undertaker match <laughs> no thank what kind of what memorabilia would you want like sir like I want an actual ring canvas from uh, from a WCW uh Monday Nitro or a pay per view, you know, in the late nineties, they would had you like. What with it? I put in my room as a carpet. I put in my room as a carpet. <laughs> I'll lay it out, and like it, there it is. Like, how let's say, how much would you pay for this? I actually, this is not a joke or bit. I was offered one once by um, Johnny the Bull, who was trying to sell an an actual WCW ring canvas. A ring apron, actually. I'm sorry, the ring apron. The canvas you could probably catch diseases off of. Maybe. How much would you be willing to pay for such a thing? Well, um, maybe about a thousand. Like if I if I get if I get my stimulus check, uh, I'll probably pay like the full a thousand, and I'll save the two hundred dollars for something else. Alright, man. So anyone out there, if you have a, a WCW canvas, Lexar will pay one thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and he's gonna put it in his rug for his rooms. Hey, I think that'd be good. What would you do, Incher? Would you buy a, a a canvas from a wrestling ring? No, I'd probably um, I'd probably buy some expensive video game system or something. <laughs> What if you could buy any game system? What would it be, Incher? Or your video game, pinball, whatever? Like right now, hmm. what's catching my fancy right? And probably Twilight Zone. How to really like to have Twilight Zone? Yeah. yeah, I thought yeah. you were gonna go with like Tecmo Bowl or something. Duck Hunt. <laughs> I have those. Jack. Oh man, <laughs> really? Yeah, they're 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 not easily. Uh, they're not easily to be had games, but I uh, do have them. Yes, 
They're, they're very uncommon, that duck hunt and techno <laughs> They're the holy grails. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Just make a fucking burner account and just join like groups and be like, I got my holy grail. <laughs> the duck hunt. I got the duck hunt. <laughs> oh, I was so happy to find this for the low price of two dollars. Did I tell you intro? I don't know if I told you. I was suspended from Facebook for a little while. Oh, you were? What for? For soliciting sex. <laughs> well, did you do it? No, I was a friend of mine, Louis uh, Rusconi, he's an artist, and he's like, I miss the old days of Facebook when it was about art and movies and buttholes and not all about the pandemic and politics. And uh -huh. so I replied, I will inbox you a pic of my butthole. And immediately I got signed out and I went to sign back in and it was like, you have been suspended for soliciting sex. <laughs> I tried to fight it and they just said they wouldn't, they wouldn't listen. <laughs> this is not allowed. So they apparently think I was trying to sell Lou Rusconi pictures of my butthole. <laughs> so I'm a problem, a fucking internet prostitute insurer. I'm... Well, XR, I'm at a loss for words here. I can't believe what my co-host is doing. The, the, the new lows that he's gone to selling his butthole on the internet. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Like, who who are you pimp, uh, Jackie Jones? I guess I'm just in it for myself. Mm. DJ Curly Bear is pimping me out. Mm. How would you pay me a thousand dollars for a picture of my butthole? No, I'll pay uh, pay a thousand dollars for a WCW ring canvas. Mm -hmm. You need to go get like Johnny the Bull and see if he'll sell it to you for five or something lower, and then sell it to Lexar. Yeah, Lexar. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I need to find his uh, contact uh, to email him. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think it was actually a ring apron. Would you want that? You know, the, the blue part like around the ring where it said WCW on it? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I will hang him on my wall. It's, uh, my wall is pretty bare now. There's nothing on it. Like, literally nothing. Really? really? Yeah, yeah nothing. Mm -hmm. Except, uh, like, my mom has, like, a wall full of, like, religious things, like crosses and pictures and, mm -hmm. uh, and all the stuff. My room is just bare. There's nothing hanging. Nothing. Nothing. No picture frames, nothing. So adding that ring apron, WCW ring apron, uh, will uh, be a nice touch to my wall and my room. Mm-hmm. Man, Gogo's a, a germaphobe. He must be dying right now. He's probably like a bubble. He's probably like uh, Bubble Boy thirteen now. Yeah. All right, Lexa, you're a good man, even though you like you know just the drizzling shits. But I still like you. Drizzling shit wrestling is what we're gonna watch for the next couple months. So yeah, I imagine no, yeah, no, it's not. It's not going to be what I. It's going to be what happens, but it ain't going to be what I'm watching. <laughs> it could be like that. 
Then I then then I I will be a former WWF fan because I ain't watching it because I cannot stand it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We live in tough times these days, but one of these days, these uh, tough times will last and uh, things will reopen. Fans we'll will see. be back in the arena, so. We'll see. Come. I don't know. There's some things I, I don't know. They're, they're already saying buffets are a thing of the past. All the golden crowds, they're closed forever. No, no. There won't be a buffets again, they're saying. Oh, no. They were doing takeout at the Golden Corral where you could just, they had like this giant of all the different things and you like, you just picked it like per pound. But I guess that didn't work out. So they just shut them down forever. Mm. Mm. That's too bad. I don't like to see any business go out of business. Yeah, I I, I hear there's, there's this ice cream shop in uh, Massachusetts, in Cape Cod, where they reopened. That's where I, yeah. That's yeah, where I am. Right. That's where I live. Yeah, it's uh, they reopened, and people came and were bitching, and so they closed it up after one day. It's weird. Damn. There's some weird assholes around. I'll see that. There's all these bikers in my town now that weren't never around before. Now they're around with. They got big flags of Trump on Rambo, Trump's head on Rambo's body. And, uh huh. <laughs> crazy. It's uh huh. Uh huh. They're all protesting, wanting everything to open up. Hmm. Do you picture uh, Trump as a as a national hero, like like no. uh, Rambo or some Stallone? Nope. No. Hulk Hogan. No. Mr. McMahon like something. Nope. nope. <laughs> uh, Rambo really isn't a, a hero. He, I mean, he's in the original uh, story, he's not like mm-hmm. a really like a patriotic, you know, guy. It's kind of like when uh, people play uh, Born in the USA thinking it's like this big rah rah patriotic song. It's not at all. Yeah. I mean, Rambo's a very anti uh, violent character anti you know but anyway uh it's good to talk to you like sorry we will talk to you soon talk to you soon thanks for taking my call try to like wash your hands wash your butt cheeks take your mm-hmm. shower, mm-hmm. clean your noses clean your ears wash your hair burn the small hairs off your ear with a lighter yeah were you my hair- were you were you washing your butthole before this happened, Lexar? Or was it that just said you let it? Like, I wash, you know. I wash my butthole every time. So really, yes. I kind of I don't believe you, but, but please. I mean, you were saying like you just walked around with like after you jizzed in your pants. I kind of doubt you're just washing your butthole all the time. Yeah, but I I take a shower and afterwards and change my under change my underwear, change my PJs. And yeah, then, but like after a couple of days, yeah. wasn't it? Oh no, 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 no. Was that if that happened, if that happened like overnight, like uh, I go back to sleep, then wake up, then like take a shower. I see. I see. You just wouldn't do it. Right? Like fuck this. I'm gonna get my eight hours of sleep first. Exactly. I'm not gonna like shower like uh, in the middle of the night. 
Really? Well, like, completely joggy. Mm-hmm. Well, Seth Rollins looked joggy. Um, what? Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Seth Rollins looked joggy on the last Monday Night Raw. He he looked look look real out of it. Like his hair is messed. We yeah. just found out he's a daddy. Yeah. You're gonna be a dad. That's why you feel like that in nine months. So once the baby's due, mm-hmm. no, well, Seth Rollins. Do you have any kids, Lexar? No. Hmm. All right. Well, wear protection when you're doing the Lexar. I'll do. All right. You should. Do you ever do that? Do you ever put like a condom on when you go to rub yourself against someone's ass? No. Are you going to start doing that now to stay safe? No. So I probably won't do it anyway. It, 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 we're in a pandemic. There's no shows, so why bother? Mm-hmm. I can't go. I can't even go to the strip club. Strip club closed. So. God damn it! I think they have drive-in ones. No, there are no drive strip clubs. No driving strip clubs in my state. What if you could get a woman over to the house to like dance in your room naked? I wish there was. I wish there was like some type of online uh, stripper. Right, like a Grubhub for for uh, for strippers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'm gonna start that up intro. <laughs> well, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be a bit uh, hard business to get started. Really? Well, yeah, maybe to keep afloat, you know, <laughs> without going to prison. <laughs> For one, you'd probably start getting dead girls on your hands because you'd send them somewhere, and the guy would freak out. <laughs> probably chasing around covered in cocaine and and, and vaseline with a baseball bat uh, he died doing what he loved to do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i laughed so hard when b brian blair said that <laughs> and then they asked foley on the credits like what what would herb abrams be doing today and he just said time <laughs> that was pretty awesome oh yeah so <sighs> All right, Lexa, we will talk to you soon. You're a good man. Keep on keeping on. I'll keep on keeping on. You do the same. Thank you, my friend. Good hearing from you, Lexar. All right, I'm getting really sleepy. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Mm, I, I don't really have anything. I think we've pretty much talked about everything. Mm-hmm. He Slater seemed really upbeat on his interview. With, uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, he said he he's ready to work anywhere. So mm-hmm. said he didn't have any run-ins with Cody. Don't know why he would have said that. Like he said, like he might have been trying to get just a reaction out of him, like just by saying an instant no like that. But who knows? Who knows? Kind of a, a jerk thing to do, though. Mm-hmm. And I like Cody, but. Yeah, he was very dismissive of Heath. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see once the contracts are up where they'll end up. But hopefully, wrestling gets back to where it was, or they won't be going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I don't know what's going on in the world. I don't know, but I would lie. I'm not Lexar. I don't. I don't want. Uh, I want things to uh, go back to as normal as possible. Mm-hmm, 
I do not want the pandemic to continue just because <laughs> no, the wrestling entertains me. Uh, yeah, and it doesn't to begin with. But even if it did, like I would not want it to continue for that reason. Like it, it, it is like from the Bizarro world or something. No, I don't. I don't know what to think. <laughs> Ooh, that was that was strange. Yeah, kind of wanted to kick him in the head or something. Try to knock some sense into. Him. You think that would do it? Maybe get him into that Russian slapping tournament. <laughs> <laughs> like you just slap him one time and he come up and be like, you know what? The wrestling is kind of crappy now. Yeah. I do want it back the way it was. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody in the Headyverse you would like to see just get slapped like that? Well, I know, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is he really asking me? <laughs> as soon as I finished, I was like, oh, well, that's an easy answer. <laughs> Not Words saying any two. names, but his initials are Owl. <laughs> <laughs> He's not here tonight. Where is he? I know. I'm surprised. I figured he'd be here. He's not in the chat. He's 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 just gone. Where nope, is he? He's not eating bats or something. That'd be bad. Mm-hmm. All right, Incher. Had a good time. I had fun. We were uh contact. I don't know. I mean, let me find this email. During the show, we were asked to interview someone who's not in wrestling so i don't know why they'd come on the show but let me get this email okay oh man why we got to talk about wrestling (laughs) just bring on anybody yeah he's like a uh, former nhl player oh really which i don't think either of us ever watch (laughs) no do you know chris jericho's dad (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's all my questions I got, Jack. Uh, Rick Nifty Middleton. Rick Nifty Middleton. I don't. I'm, Former I'm, NHL player, president of the Boston Bruins, Bruins, alumni association, and co producer of Tough Sledding the Movie, the true story of the 2002 Para Olympics U.S. sled hockey team. Is there any wrestlers in the film? Nope. Hmm. Sounds like a winner to me. I'll just tell him, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it'll be awesome. I don't know. You never know. You never know. Mm -hmm. All right. Toughsleddingthemovie.com. Tough sledding. Yeah, it was. They emailed in your head specifically for it. So, I don't know. Hmm. You can audition now. Casting call for tough sledding the movie. Can can I have the part where I'm like, it's a tough sled. I just want to yell that really loud. <laughs> just uh, in the middle of the movie, like in the bar or something. Uh, I just stand up and go, it's a tough sled. <laughs> I think you've got it as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'll practice one for you right Damn. now. I'll be like, I'll be like, I get up, and everybody just kind of stops and puts down their beer, and then I just stop and I look up and I go, "It's a tough sled." <laughs> that would be, that'd be good. I'm, I'm down. Man, this guy played for a long time. Did he? 
Yeah, he played for 14 years. Played for the New York Rangers and the Boston Bruins. So maybe he does know Jericho's dad yeah, from the New York Ranger, Rangers. Really? Yeah. Played in the 70s, 74 to 88. Might be the same time. Probably his best buddy. Man, look at all the dirt. Well, that'd be weird. Let's get him on. He's plugging <laughs> this movie. And we just asked nothing about questions about Jericho's dad. Just like, we'll ask him, do you know Chris Jericho's dad? And we got all these questions, and he just goes, no. <laughs> oh. Well, if you did, what do you think that uh, <laughs> that would be pretty awesome? <laughs> that would be. Yeah, I also played for the Oshawa Generals. Oh, that's not an uh, NHL team. I was like, oh, man, I never heard of that, that team. But, huh. Interesting. All right. All right. Let's do it. What the hell? <laughs> we'll do it. Might be fun. Oh, if not, we'll just hang up on. Them. <laughs> <laughs> what if he comes on and he starts sharing like the same views that Lexar has? He's like, I love wrestling with uh, no crowd. I can't wait for hockey to start without the fucking crowd. It's the one thing I hated Ooh, when I played wow. was the goddamn crowd. <laughs> All right, Incher. Let's get out of here. Alrighty. See you all when we see you. Take care and stay safe and wash your mm-hmm. butthole just like the licks are. Mm, that's what you gotta do. Washing the butthole. Alright. Peace out, bitches. Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been the mouth of the south since I was in school. I watched wrestling before it was cool Who would ever think that I'd live out my dream And wind up on the cover of a wrestling magazine Hogan is American made And the only real giant is Steel or great. Karen Lawrence will always be the king Cause we are the legends of wrestling Ray Ray Piper, Bret the Hitman Hart Bruno San Martino, they were legends from the start 